Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Psychic's Thoughts. Hope you're all doing well today. We inch closer to the holiday season and to the New Year's, so I hope you all have had a uh, good year. I know things have been hard for a lot of people. Uh, it's a different time, right? It's a crazy time to be alive, but, um, you know, even though I'm a <laughs> cosmic pessimist, stoic nihilist, it... <laughs> He's a nihilist. Big Lebowski, anybody? If you haven't seen Big Lebowski, I highly recommend it. Uh, it's one of the better comedies ever. <laughs> and surprisingly, it's the only good movie about bowling that I know of. Nah, there's got to be some better ones out there. Not better. I, it, Big Lebowski is one of the greater films ever made, so in terms of the comedy realm. Anyway, uh, so hope you all are doing well. Uh, like I said, I try to look on the overarching bright side of life. That doesn't mean all things are chipper and cheery. A lot of people are going through hard times right now. So please remember to always uh, look out for your loved ones. Take care of yourself. Respect yourself. Respect others. There's no reason not to. Uh, if you find yourself never doing that, then you're the problem, right? Everything has context and everything has circumstances. But regardless of any of that, Times are hard. I think people are realizing more than ever that you can't just hide your problems like people used to, right? You know, and, and, and we also have the largest influx of an older population than ever before, right? The baby boomer generation was the highest populated generation of all time in a singular confined time frame, and now they're all seniors, and they have great impact on how we work as a country, from legislation all the way to just influence from what grandpa said at the family dinner table, right? I think it's important to understand how much can change in time. Just think about where we all were almost four and a half years ago, right before COVID hit. How different everyone's lives were. Sure, things weren't easy, but things weren't so dramatically hard. COVID was a collective traumatizing experience for the entire world, but specifically from an American perspective, it's akin to what 9-11 was. In fact, it's more severe than 9-11. A lot of people don't even want to bring that part up, but it was. It is. It took more lives than 9-11. Now, obviously, it wasn't in the course of a day, but still, right? 9-11 was a collective traumatizing experience on the psyche of America, and it greatly changed the trajectory of how we operate as people and as a country, right? Trauma does that to people. It grows you up, if you will, but I don't even think that's the, an appropriate way of phrasing that. But in layman's terms, it does do that. So, yeah. Why am I saying all this? Because what I'm about to talk about may have some uh, triggering themes, right? And I don't know, to each their own, some people get triggered more easily uh, through talking about it or through hearing about it. And some people get triggered through visual stimulation. Um, so that's just a general trigger warning for uh, people. There's going to be talks about um, violence, about uh you know, drug use, terrorism acts, 
things like that because that's what this video game that I'm about to talk about dives into and covers. Now, I'm not going to go too into depth. I'm not going to talk about, like, it's not like I'm playing the game, but just to be, you know, just to be sensitive to the people who may have been affected by things similar to this. I don't want any of you to be listening to this and then midway through start, you know, feeling uneasy just because something triggered deep down in your psyche. So please let that be a warning for anyone who may be sensitive to some of these topics. I completely understand if that's the case. There's no harm, no foul. Um, and I'm most likely going to talk more in detail about that, like about some of the scenarios and missions and things that you experience in this game later down the road. So I just wanted to get that off real quick. And I just wanted to say that even though this game is kind of a reflection on some of the harder times and some of this uh, cynicism that America faces. And if you notice, a lot of our art is doing that right now, much like the 70s, which actually affords really incredibly inspiring art. It's not always true. So just because something feels more cinematic because it's easier to be negative doesn't actually mean that being negative is the easiest, is, is the correct approach, right? You can see a lot of conspiracy theories wrapped up in negativity. They're after us. They're poisoning us. They're trying to kill us. Well, isn't that fucking convenient? How cinematic could you possibly get? What are you, this, what are you, Neo? You are not the main character here. There are way more things at play. I'm not saying don't be skeptic, and I, I'm not saying that it's not true. I'm just saying it's really easy to just fall in the negative and say they, them, whomever are after us. The government, the agency, the deep state, all that bullshit. It's all just theatrics. Oh, you're just saying that because they brainwashed you. No. <laughs> No, I'm not. You're just saying that because you have no logistic, logistic, logical way to counter what I said. You have nothing to stand on. A conspiracy theory is of entertainment value. It may poke and prod at some interesting questions and threats. It may kick up an interesting conversation. And it is partially a blueprint to being a skeptic, but it's not a healthy blueprint. These are all themes that have to be mentioned because they are included in the atmosphere, in the storytelling, in the ethos of the video game I'm talking about today, ready or not. This is a controversial game. And there's a lot of people who have played it. There's a lot of people who haven't played it. And I don't know who you are that is listening. And so while I'm going to tell you my impressions, thoughts, and feelings towards the game, I'm also going to contextualize some of the grandiose and broader topics and some of the more mainstream approaches and appeals and understandings. And I'm unbiased here, right? Well, I'm, I'm a little biased because I like the game, so I am biased, but my point is I, I understand why certain people may be offended by certain things. I don't think I think being offended is okay, right? I think it has to be based in some level of offense, if that makes sense, right? Because if you get offended over something that has nothing to do with you or anyone you care about or love and is just offending your senses or sensibility, well, that's fine. 
It's an emotional response and it's a personal subjective experience. Who am I to say that you're not offended or that you shouldn't be? That's stupid. That's like saying, that's like someone coming to me and saying, hey, you shouldn't be in love with your girlfriend. Fuck off. I am. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I understand it's the, it's an emotional subjective response. However, I want to, I want to caveat that with saying that just because you're offended doesn't mean you have to take action against the artist, the art or the people who enjoy it. That is where the harm comes in. Now, if that said art is actually offensive and is harming or spreading disinformation or not doing it justice to the source material, that's a different conversation. And you can attack those specific pillars where it has its flaws, right? But attacking the entirety of something or the individual who created it isn't fair, especially if they didn't know or they didn't have context, or if that wasn't the original purpose of the art in general. Art is a subjective and emotional experience to each person. I have said things in my rap songs, or I have shown things in my films that may offend the sensibilities of someone else. That is not to intentionally do so. It is just a byproduct of what I do sometimes. And I've accepted that. It is a grand responsibility to take accountability for it's not easy and it's not fucking fun because your goal is to not harm people nor is it to divide people my goal is to spread art to entertain to inform and to bring some sort of an enjoyment value to what i create and produce but i don't always succeed so i absolutely understand if people are offended by certain things and i don't have a problem with people who feel certain things about other things that's being human i'm not gonna hate on them for that however when you are offended and you are taking a stance on behalf of other people or of a community or you are lobbying tangible actionable results against the thing the product the person the artist the group that has made the same thing that you are offended by you have to come correct you can do that that's the beauty of being an american you can say hey this is too much you should try to you know edit this or hey don't do this. Or you could try to amass a boycott. That's fine. That's part of being an American. That's part of being a human. We all want to be heard and respected equally within certain ranges and fields and spectrums of what we encounter on a day-to-day -day basis. That's perfectly okay. But I have to say that when you do that and you're doing it on an unfounded, unsubstantiated claim or you're doing it off hyperbole, or without enough evidence to support that it is truly offensive. And evidence, and I don't mean, oh, I experienced it myself, I saw it myself, I saw it behind closed doors. That's not evidence. That may be direct experience, but that's subjective. Evidence in the sense that other people who you're trying to get on board with your opinion and your thought and your crusade have to be on the same page from an informational standpoint. So, if you say that there's a level in a video game, and this is what I'm actually specifically talking about. I'm talking about the broader uh, American spectrum of sensibility being offended and censorship because it is an ongoing issue, right? I am hitting that in general, but specifically, this does apply to Ready or Not, the video game I'm talking about today. And I'll get more into my actual thoughts once I get over this little uh, rant. But it's interesting because... People, 
Don't you love how I just hit the fucking ground running? No, no wasting time. We're just right in this motherfucker. Anyway, um, I hope you do. Good Lord, because I'm coming in hot. <laughs> ready or not, I'm coming in hot. Ready to drop on the spot. You know, I was going to freestyle, and then I thought, eh, that's corny. Here's the thing. When you have something that offends you, and you're trying to get other people to understand that, that's fine. If you're trying to take action to censor or prevent or reduce or mitigate or whatever, the thing that offended you or the group behind it, you really do have to do your research. and You have to have evidence to the claim, and it has to be equal and accessible, most importantly, to other people. It can't just be conjecture. That's a waste of everyone's fucking time. It can't be too hyperbolic. I mean, it will be, but it can't be extremely hyperbolic. And it can't just be because you feel that way, you feel like, right? Because there's two things. One, if it's actually damaging and it's misinforming a massive group of people or it's improperly done from a technical standpoint to where it's not actually hitting what it should be, it's not actually doing the job of what the artist intended, then that is different. But if it's just something that is doing its job, that plenty of people appreciate and like it, even people who are offended can at least appreciate the technicality and the artistry behind it, even if it offends their sensibilities and it's not something they would prefer to partake in, the thing that you could do as an individual if you're offended is not engage with it. It is one of the great things about being human. At least in America, you have the right to say, ah, oh, not for me. It takes time to learn that, and you may be offended or shocked at first because you may not know what you're getting into. That's perfectly fair. But once you are aware of that, once you read something about this and you're like, this might be too much for me, hey, don't fucking engage with it. That's the first thing. Then you cannot possibly be offended. So I'm speaking about this because Ready or Not has been a game in development for the past six years. It is a SWAT tactical FPS shooter. It is strictly on PC for now, God willing. Hopefully it comes to console at some point. And it is an intense, very intense experience, right? And it drew controversy a couple years ago in 2021. And I've talked about this before because I've talked about Ready or Not, believe it or not. And it has drawn controversy because it, the, the game developers, Void Interactive are the game developers and self-publishers now. Kudos to them. They've been doing a fucking stellar job. I'll get more into that later. Um, this game has been, this game was announced six years ago, folks. Six fucking years ago. 2018. I think it was actually announced in 2017 and then it started getting more press in 2018. That's wild that it's been that long i remember i was you know it was before i even started college people i was i was a sophomore in high school when i heard about this game i'm like this shit seems fucking awesome i just moved to north carolina and i remember seeing the the videos of it and i was like this shit looks dope and it was like, ah, oh, it's going to be for PC. And I'm like, this is that tactical, close quarters combat game that I've always wanted. This is that game. This is what Rainbow Six Siege was originally going to be. 
Now, I still love Rainbow Six Siege, and I still appreciate what it's become. And I don't think, honestly, I don't think Rainbow Six Siege would have succeeded if it stayed so tactical, similar to Ready or Not. I don't think it's conducive to what Rainbow Six Siege needed to be. So I'm perfectly happy with what Rainbow is today. Is it perfect? No. But it's... Gotta give them props. They're doing an incredible fucking job. Um, so this was that... Okay, you liked Rainbow. Here, you were gonna crank up the heat a little bit. Now you gotta, now you gotta be an adult. You gotta actually take on. This is a SWAT tactical first-person shooter. It is a simulator. It is not. I mean, it's a game, and it's not a hundred percent accurate, but it is pretty fucking close. You know, within the confines of making it a game, right, and still making it enjoyable and fun enough to pick up and play again, it is pretty damn close to what looks to be the real situation. Now, I'm not a SWAT officer. I've never been in law enforcement, and I don't have CQB training, nor do I have any kind of concept of actually being in the combat scenarios. And I'm not going to speak like I have been. But from the research I've done, it does seem like it, they've done a pretty good job. right? They've had advisors on, advisors on board. I think I said that right. They have had, um, you know, a lot of points of inference to understand how to make their game true to the SWAT life experience while still gamifying it, right? Because as I said before in my previous episode, I think it was my most previous one, um, the adaptation of something still has to take form of what that, that media is, right? And so if you're taking a book to a film, it still has to do a few things that film needs to do in order to be a film. It's the same with video games. It still needs to have a gameplay element. Otherwise, you're just watching a movie or a TV show, right? So, yeah. It still gamifies things, but it does it in a tactful way that is pragmatic and very, very seemingly close to being able to simulate being a SWAT officer. Now, obviously, it's not like you're a fucking SWAT officer. I'm not even going to make that childish argument. Oh, well, if you play this game, you'll get proper training. No. But I do think it'll give you a lot more reverence and conceptual context. I'm using a lot of big words today. I think it'll give you more reverence and context, not conceptual. That's a stupid thing. Conceptual context? That doesn't mean anything. Reverence and context to... Um, to some of the emotions and the scenarios that SWAT officers have to go through. I also want to point out that this game, and I've played a fuck ton of this game. I've played probably about 30 hours. That's not a lot, but that's plenty. I've played about 30 hours in the past two and a half years. Right, this isn't a game that I'm obsessively picking up and playing over and over and over, right? But I, I, I you know, every few months I re-download it and I play the new update. I get through a handful of the missions. This game is difficult. It will fuck you. You will die a lot. You will fail. You will be very frustrated. You have to move slow. There's no sprint button. In fact, the normal sprint key, right, left shift, is honestly, it's a slowdown key. It makes you walk slower, which in hindsight is very, very, very useful. But at first you're like, what the fuck? You already pretty much just walk. So, yeah, it's a very slow-paced game. 
you play it's a first person shooter right so you're playing in the boots of a tactical uh, scenario as a SWAT officer there's numerous maps and scenarios that are going down and what I like about this game is this isn't a SWAT game where you just go in and kill everybody in fact if you do that you're gonna fail there are different mission types right barricaded suspect and uh, raid and, and different things like that that have different objectives and different scenarios in play those change the rules of engagement, right? The rules of engagement is the basic doctrine to say, oh, when can, how lethal, what, how does lethal force um, get deployed in this scenario, right? I think that's the best way I could say that. So most of the time, the rules of engagement, especially in a barricaded suspect scenario, which is what you're going to be playing the first 12 missions or something <laughs> for a while, it, is you only can shoot on... I mean, you can kill everybody, but you're going to get punished for that. But um, you should only shoot when the uh, suspect is armed, has presented a dangerous threat, and does not comply with your initial de-escalation order or your order for them to surrender their weapons. And that's the thing about this game. This game, it doesn't just take on the tactical approach from the shooting and the, the mechanics of that or the, the clearing a room or breaching a door. Obviously, all that's there, and I'll get into that later. It also takes on the fact that you are arresting people. There's a lot of police games out there where you just shoot to kill, and it's essentially Call of Duty, and that's not what police do. Or that it's not what they should do, I should say. Especially with the SWAT. So... You are arresting more people than you are killing, depending on the scenario. You are collecting evidence, you are arresting people, you're uh, zip-tying uh, civilians even, just because you don't know, right? And then you're clearing out the, the area and... That's it. It's not the most intellectually complicated game ever, but there are some moving pieces that make this game quite challenging. This game is like an advanced game of chess, and it is not always the easiest. And it has to do partially with your reaction time, with your ability to read and understand a scenario, and I'll get more into the specifics later. So, because Ready or Not is a tactical SWAT sim, that involves a lot of sensitive topics, which is why I started with that whole thing. This game does not shy away from the horrors of what people can do to one another. There are child sex trafficking rings that you go in and you bust and break up and prevent, right? There are meth houses. There is a school shooting scenario. I have not played this yet, for it has just come out recently, and I haven't gotten that far in the campaign yet. Um, but I've heard and read about it, and it was something that was caused a lot of controversy for this game two years ago. Now, this map and mode just came out two days ago, so why was it a controversy two years ago? Because this game is in early access, the developers were had an internal develop uh, dev packet, which is what happens often when they pitch it to a publisher. They show what they've done, they show what their projected future is, and they show where they're at, and a bunch of other details in this thick-ass, almost binder, this packet of information on the game. 
And the publisher is supposed to and usually reads over this to make sure before they finally sign into pub a publishing deal, they, they read over this to make sure they're all good. It's financials, it's the game, it's the mechanics of the game, it's some of the more sensitive subjects if that game talks about it, whatever, right? It's every kind of piece of information you'd need to know about what you're about to invest in and publish and have your name on, right? It's that packet that you're going to want with all the info before you merge or before you publish or before you uh, uh, reproduce the content. And Team 17, which is, they're a great publisher. They've done a lot of cool things. I have nothing against them. They seem to have not really read Void Interactives or just didn't really have it click in or maybe just had a change of heart. They were originally going to be Void Interactive's publisher. And Void Interactive, it was a small, small, small dev team. And at the time, two and a half years ago, they need, almost three, they needed that uh, cash influx. Team 17 is a big publishing company. They've got a lot of capital that they could have thrown at the game and really accelerated and made the game come to full 1.0 version much sooner. And Team 17 agreed to publish. And it was a big deal. It was like, okay, shit, this is really kicking off. Okay. You know, and so it was really kicking off. Apologies for that little interruption, by the way. Um, my alarm went off and I forgot I had that set. Uh, so it was really going well for a while. And then like six months into the agreement, not even. I don't even think it was that far in. Team 17's like, ah, no. And this was just a f month after news broke on Kotaku, of all fucking places, that Ready or Not was internally prepping for a school shooting scenario. Here's the problem with that, and this is why I opened the entire episode with this whole controversy, censorship, and, and offensive, offended sensibilities. Like I said, I have no problem if you're offended, and obviously people who have been through a school shooting scenario, um, it's sensitive to them. I, I understand that. People, parents who have lost children to that, children who have lost friends or have survived, Right? And officers and law enforcement individuals or paramedics who have had to uh, respond to the scene of a school shooting incident. It's an awful, awful atrocity that happens way too fucking often in America. It's frustrating. I've had multiple friends survive school shootings. It's ridiculous. I've been in so many lockdowns. I am fortunate enough to say I've never been in a full blown active shooting event but there have been two very very credible threats that did shut down my school midday and we did have to evacuate right it wasn't an active scenario but it you know it doesn't i mean i mean it's a big difference between an active scenario and a credible threat where proactive measures are taken but it's still nonetheless it's absolutely terrifying it was terrifying going through high school in the peak state of that. I met the Parkland survivors, heard their stories. It was, it was harrowing. It's deeply disturbing. Right? I've had, I've had family members caught in scenarios, in active school shooting scenarios. Multiple times. This is not... 
just a one-off incident. This happens far too often. And if you have friends or family member who are in middle school to high school to even college, though it's not as often in college, but it is still prevalent. It, I mean, it happened last week at uh, you know University of Las Vegas. It's an ongoing issue, and millions and millions of people are affected by it annually. And obviously some way more, way, way, way worse, way worse affected than others, of course. So I can never speak on it like I've been in one, nor can I say that I've lost someone from it. But I've been close to it way more than I'd like to say. Way more than anybody in their entire life should ever be close to an active shooter engagement. No one should be that close to one. Right? Unless you are volunteering for your service. And if so, thank you for your service. Truly. Means the world. Right? If you're law enforcement, if you're special forces, if you're any military branch, you have volunteered to understandably and willingly take that risk to protect others. It's incredible. Not everyone's built for that, nor should... Not, you know, not everyone should be doing that. It's not natural. It goes against all of our natural instincts. And it's an atrocity that we have to be in a constant jeopardized state of shock, of threat. Kids should never have to go through that. It's ridiculous. And there are things that can be done, and it's not a political thing to me. It's a very, very, very basic logic, common sense, safety procedure things that can be done. And no, that does not mean arming the fucking teachers. I've had teachers that have been so emotionally unstable and mentally unstable that if they had a gun, they would have shot the students. So I don't think that's the best approach. I can't tell you what is the best approach, but I can tell you there are some. Because this used to not be as big of an issue. Right? So it's awful. It's an awful circumstance. And it is one of the hardest things as Americans that we have to kind of come to grips with. It's so frequent. We numb ourselves to it, but we shouldn't. Really, do not numb yourself to the reality of the situation. It's not worth it. And so what Void Interactive is trying to do is trying to understand with, with great reverence and sensibility to the topic at hand, but still preserving that sense of realism and not compromising their art and their ability to say or speak on a subject matter that, wow, is very, very sensitive and has to be done properly, right? With the proper education around the topic, with the proper nuance and ability to emotionally and tonally understand how to convey something like this, especially in a video game form. It is exceptionally difficult to do it that way, right? It's hard in any medium, but it's especially difficult in video games because you have player interaction and uh, the variables with that, right? So I understand. For a lot of people, it's too much. And I have nothing against those people who believe that that is the case, especially for those who have been through such a horrid circumstance, such as a school shooting or any mass shooting event for that matter. I, I absolutely understand. So if you're one of those individuals, that's perfectly fine. 
I, I don't blame you at all. In fact, when I get to that level, I'm going to try it, but I don't know if I'll be able to get through it because it does hit very close to home for me. So we'll see. But I'm curious. I'm curious to see after all the hoopla what it's really about. And, uh, and I'm in a morbid fashion. I'm looking forward to getting to that mission. Not in any disrespectful way. I'm just curious. I'm just curious to see how they pulled this off after all these years. And I want to see it firsthand. I want to experience it the way they've intended. So, um, but at the time, two and a half, three years ago, Kotaku broke this article where they're like, oh, and it was the one of the most poorly written articles I've seen in video game journalism it pissed me the fuck off. I even talked about it at that time in one of my podcast episodes because it pissed me off so badly. It was like, oh, I don't remember exactly, so it's not verbatim, right? All this is off the top, by the way. And by the way, thank you all for supporting me. I appreciate all the support as always. Go check out my latest album. Check me out on social media. All that good jazz. But thank you. I do appreciate that. Anyway, um, Kotaku broke, the, broke this article where they're like, oh, ready or not. You get to play in a school shooting. They weren't lying. It wasn't like they were saying, you are the school shooter, right? They weren't saying that, of course. But they were They were alluding to the fact that there was no sensitivity to the topic. They were really making it seem like they were... That the dev company, Void Interactive, was just like, ah, fuck it. We'll just add a school shooting level just because. When is... That's absolutely not the case. And it created so much backlash and division for no reason because, first of all, it was a poorly written article and it actually had no good research to it. Now, listen, if you have an opinion piece where you say, hey, I personally don't think we should put this in a video game, I think that's a little too much. I think you can have everything else with SWAT, but personally, I think that's just a little too far, a little too close to home, a little too recent. I understand if you feel that way. That's perfectly okay, right? I, I get that. I, I could completely understand why someone might say, ah, you know, it's still a game. You don't have to put that type of level in there. You could avoid that. We could still get the SWAT experience with everything but that, right? I, I understand that. So I'm not knocking anyone who feels that way. I, I'm not because I, I don't blame you, honestly. But in the way that Kotaku, the news article, the video game news article, similar to IGN but worse at their job, they... um had what seemed to be an opinion piece, which is okay if you have an opinion piece. We need op-eds in our, uh, in our life because op-eds are usually coming from people who have some sort of grounded experience, some educational background behind the matter, some uh, first-hand experience, or they're specialists in the topic at hand. So when they're writing an op-ed, yeah, it's an opinion piece, but it's using a lot of really founded and interesting knowledge and experience that this individual has had that forms the opinion they have. Yeah, it's still a subjective opinion. It's not a factual state of news, but it is important to hear op-eds as well as a healthy mix of unbiased news if you can. So that being said, this is, it was an op-ed, but it was uh, written like a factual news statement because parts of it were factual. Void Interactive was in fact in internal development to make a school shooting level for the full 1.0 release of the game whenever that were to come. They were. It's true because it's happened. It's out now. And that was, they weren't hiding that. They've mentioned that. But it was just one of those things where it's like this Kotaku article blew it way out of proportion. 
and made it seem way worse than it was, and a lot of people jumped on the bandwagon and tried to cancel Ready or Not. And it got so bad that Void Interactive had to come out with this incredibly written statement that talked about understanding the sensitivity about the topic, why they've chosen to do that, how they plan to implement that appropriately with the tonal and emotional sensitivity that it requires to be able to talk about such a tough topic for so many Americans and other people around the world, of course, and how they plan on going about that appropriately. They have advisors. They had, from what I believe they said in their thing and what I've heard from, um, you know, over the years in their development of, of the game, they have not only SWAT advisors who have been through scenarios like that, so they actually have grounded understanding of the situation, but they also have therapists and um, they had talks with the communities and parents and survivors of school shootings to make sure they're doing this appropriately. And I do believe deep down that Void Interactive is trying to make the best piece of art, if you will, of, of quality of a game in terms of how they present themselves first. So if, for whatever reason, the school level didn't come off the way they intended, they most likely would have cut it because it's just the level, or they would have delayed it and spent more time to rework it. I don't doubt that for a second. Right? If you're making a tactical SWAT sim game and you're shying away from the topics or the things that SWAT officers have to go through, you're doing yourself, your game, and, and the genre a disservice, right? And your fans. And at no point in any of the marketing, the advertising, or what anything that you can see on Ready or Not, at no point is it... Um, you know, manipulating you into thinking you're playing a COD game or a Battlefield game or even a Rainbow Six-like game. Yeah, sure, mechanics may be similar to certain things, but you are 100% playing a SWAT tact sim game and you are seeing and in, in hearing and looking at shit that is not just like, oh, this is mature because there's blood and there's cursing and there's some, you know, partial nudity. Sure. No, you're looking at and experiencing themes, topics, and general concepts that are just disturbing for anybody, no matter how old you are. Really, some fucked up stuff. But it's all subtly done. I think that's the most important thing I could possibly say about this game. Anything that is of a controversy or disturbing other than the fact you are taking, you know, lives, you're shooting people. Most gamers who play first-person shooters can get over that hurdle. If you're not a gamer and you can't get over that hurdle, that's a whole different thing. Don't even try it. Not for this game. Play a Halo. That's a better way of getting introduced to that type of mechanic. Um, I love Halo. Halo has very mature themes, too, in the campaign. Don't be mistaken, but it's different. So... Anyway, my point is that this game genuinely will do and say and have things that are quite disturbing. That are upsetting and uncomfortable. But it's not abrasive. I mean, it can feel that way, I guess. But it is not intentionally shock value, right? 
It's subtle environmental storytelling, which is a very, very important thing that a lot of games do. Um, some do well, some don't. Some don't do it at all because they don't need to. Ready or Not's entire story is told through environmental storytelling, and it's a fascinating one. But it is deeply dark and disturbing, but it's all in the subtle details. So if you're not looking for it or if you're not paying attention, you will not really see it. There are some more obvious things that you'll see, you know, set deck, uh, things on the wall, paintings, maybe some pictures, some things like that that might be a little more obvious. But other than that, you're really not seeing much that's too disturbing. It just feels like a run-of-the-mill, really well-made SWAT tech sim. And so that's why that school shooting scenario sticks out, because that in of itself, the, the scenario in in general, the setting, the scenario is just difficult. And I absolutely understand for those who may not want to partake in that. I don't believe me. So that's the general controversy, and that's kind of the gist of the game. It is a first-person SWAT tactical shooter. It is heavy duty. You will die a fuck ton. You will get hurt. You will struggle. This game is not easy. This is made to go slow and be smart about how you approach things. And it balances tension and reaction and emotional manipulation beautifully. So we're going to talk more about it in this next segment. But yeah, that's the general overview of the game, a little intro, a little bit of my experience, some of the controversy, the context. I just want to get all that out of the way first, right? That's the more basic details, the more surface level, nitty gritty, and somewhat boring, not too boring, I hope, um, stuff. Now let me talk more about the game for those of you who are interested hearing it from a gamer. Also, like I said, I've been playing this game for like two and a half years. I've had like 30, 40 hours, and I love it. And the reason why I'm talking about it now even though I've talked about it before, is it's been in early access. I've been playing it for years. I've loved it. It's been slowly growing and improving from graphics and lighting and new maps, missions, modes, weapons, all these things, right? And it's been steadily growing in many ways, and it's awesome. And now, now I can say as of almost exactly two years later, we are now at the official full build release. It is out of early access. And I'll talk about why that's really important in this day and age in gaming. It's in version 1.0. There are going to be more updates. There's going to be more content. It is not a f done game by any means. There are so many more things that will be done over time. But this is the first official 1.0 full public release. It's out of early access and it's incredible because this truly feels like an early access game that went to full release. It is astounding, and I have to applaud Void, Intera Void Interactive. So if this is as far as you get, understand that there is controversy. There are sensitive topics. It is not an easy game, but it is a fun, deep, and satisfying game when you give it the time and energy. Void Interactive has done a stellar job keeping up with this game through all the hardships, all the ups and downs. And this is one of the premier ways of experiencing a tactical shooter and a SWAT sim in a video game space so i can't give it anything but high remarks it's not perfect there are issues with it there are things i'd love to see in the future and i'll get into that but that's the gist of it so let's get into more of the specifics so that was a very very long intro segment but you know i go where the wind takes me right completely off the top but that was also the game overview says intro controversy overview all that so it was kind of it was actually three different parts combined and split between two segments. So, 
Yeah, I actually got it through a lot of the podcasts in one fell swoop. Like I said, I just write bullet points and then I just go. Um, okay. Let me talk about the gameplay now. And I'm going to talk about two things at the same time. I'm going to talk about how it was before version 1.0, before this latest update that happened two days ago. So I'm going to be just doing a few comparisons, and I'll start with that. And then I'm also just going to be giving my pros and what I like about the gameplay in general. Okay? Because a lot of the cons I would have had have been mitigated or at least reduced a little bit. So, let's talk about it. First and foremost, like I said, this is a tactical first-person shooter SWAT game, right? Um, in the alpha build, right? So the early access is what I'll call I might call it alpha. I might just call it early access. But that's what I mean. And that's not the current build. So if you get it now, you will be getting the 1.0. And it is way better. It's a dramatically different game. And the early access alpha build was also really good. But the amount of improvements and changes that have just happened is absolutely astounding. For this version 1.0 that just came out a few days ago. Okay, so, in the early access build, right, you'd go in, you'd have, had good graphics, decent lighting, all that. And a handful of guns, and you had like, uh, I don't know, five to six missions, more were added over time. And you select the missions on the map, and you're like, okay. And, um, you know, then they have different scenarios for each map. Uh, barricaded suspect, raid, uh, hostage, um, I think bomb threat might be one of them, or terrorist act or something like that. So there's, there's a handful of scenarios. And that changes the rules of engagement, that changes the amount of enemies that you're, that you're going up against, and that changes the objective at play. But the gist of the gameplay loop is you, and you might play with friends or play with a public lobby of Randy, Randy's, Randos, right? And that's perfectly fine too. But um, regardless of who you play with, it works like this. You're going in, it's PvE, right? It's you versus the AI. You're going into these scenarios. You have a brief uh, mission, well, brief, you have a, which is why they call it brief, I guess. Um, and you go in. And you are trying to either rescue somebody or base the basic procedures and the most common thing you'll be playing early on is barricaded suspect. And basically you're going into a a place with minimal information and you are trying to arrest suspects and save civilians. It's as simple as that. And if you find any of the evidence of like, oh, they're cooking a meth lab, you know, you just press the interact key over it and they just report it into the HQ. It's not, uh, it, it really decides to reduce the meddling, meddling, uh, the menial tasks that could be involved in daily SWAT life because it's still a game. It's still trying to keep you in and, and get you through it, right? Um, so you have breaching, you have, um, so I play alone mostly, I have a friend who has the game, so we play sometimes together, and it's very fun that way as well, it's actually, obviously it's more enjoyable with friends, but most of my experience is with AI, so I'm going to be talking from that experience, and, and this has a huge, huge difference from early access to version 1.0, it's, it's honestly in fucking credible what they've changed. But basically, you're going into this scenario, you know, and it's all based quite 
realistically on things that SWAT teams have seen or would most likely see in any given uh, uh, SWAT career. And so you're going in to, say, this gas station where somebody is trying to rob it. It's a robbery gone wrong. They start shooting things up and they barricade. And so you're coming in. So there might be only like two or three or four suspects. And right, the suspects are your hostels. So you've got a squad of four others, I think. So it's a squad of five or maybe six. I forget. And their AI. And so you can command them very simply through a few button prompts and you could command them to move to a certain area to cover your flank to um stack up on a door uh and and to breach said door either just you know by kicking it by using a shotgun by using a battering ram breaching and throwing a flashbang to stun and disorient anyone in the immediate room or to use a stinger which is also kind of stuns and disorients, and I believe a stinger shoots a bunch of small, like, BB pellets. I don't recall. Um, things of that nature. But because it's a SWAT game, and you have two things that you're trying to do within this gameplay loop. One, well, three. One, not die. That's, uh, that's first and foremost, and you will die a I don't think I've explained clearly. This game is very difficult. This is one of the more difficult games I've played. They are not fucking around. You you can equip stuff. Oh, by the way, you can customize your operator. Like, that matters too much. But more importantly, you do have loadouts that you can go in. You can have preset loadouts. So, it, before you go into a mission, this is my bad, you can, you can equip your gear, you can go to a shooting range, and if you're new to the game, you should definitely do the training course. So you get a feel of the buttons, the mechanics, and some of the gunplay. It is slower, it is more deliberate, and it is genuinely, it seems more realistic. From everything I understand about stuff, and I am autistic, I do deep dives on stuff, and I have always found spec ops, SWAT, and tactical uh, realism fascinating. In video games, movies, television, right? I'm a filmmaker. I've always loved the military movies and stuff, but I really love when a military movie stays true to the source material. As, right, as true as one can be while still being a good or entertaining film. Um, I really do appreciate that. Because audiences aren't stupid. And it's better. I think most of the time. Obviously, if it's like a kid's movie, right? Like a kid's um, uh, a cop movie or something. Like a buddy cop, right? Like a rush hour. Well, that's not a kid's movie, you know? But like, that's different. But when you're doing like a SWAT movie or show... And I do love the SWAT show, but it's kind of on the cheesier side. There are a lot of things they do right, and there are some episodes that are astounding. The show is actually really good. I do recommend it. But sometimes I was watching I watched it with my dad, and we still watch it on and off. And when I was watching it, when we were binging it together, you know, because he's into those kinds of things too, but, you know, he's not military or anything. He just, he has the same fascination with it as I do. And we're like, oh, this is cool. We get attached to characters. But sometimes when I'm watching it, I'm just like, yeah, this doesn't seem right. You know, they do a lot of things right from what I've read and, and learned and seen from, you know, watching YouTube and learning from those or reading some books on uh, from veterans and stuff like that. But like, and I'm no expert and I've never experienced it, so I can't fully say. I assume they might know a little more than me. They have advisors and, and whatnot. 
but like sometimes I'm seeing stuff and it's just like, you know, uh, the bottomless magazine for one, right? It's like, okay, you got to reload at some point. John Wick does a phenomenal job at considering the fact it has to reload, except sometimes it's like, eh, we're stretching it. <laughs> or you just have to assume he reloaded off screen for a second, right? And especially the first three, and especially the first John Wick, phenomenal job at detail on how CQB, about how handguns work specifically, and about the reloading rate. They did a lot of great things to keep it more grounded, even though he's like a superhero fucking people up. Right? So depending on how mature it's allowed to be, right, is it rated R or is it PG-13? Because if it's rated R, you can be gorier. You could show the, the gorier stuff. You could show the impact of a bullet on somebody more so. Um, is it worth it? Is it worth the VFX? Is it worth the squibs? Is it worth the uh, time and, and energy? Maybe. I don't know. It just depends on the story. Right? Now, for the SWAT TV show, you can't show the blood. It's a network show. It's it's like TV PG-13, Right? Uh, okay, so that's all right. I understand that. But um, you still show combat. But, you know, it's kind of interesting. In the SWAT show, they very rarely shoot people. They have all this gear, and they're very, very, very rarely in a firefight engagement. Or even when they have firefights that are exciting, they're shooting at each other, they're very rarely killing people. They're often just hurting them, and they're usually arresting them. The, I call it the linebacker mentality because in that show, these SWAT officers can haul ass, run, and jump over a car and tackle somebody perfectly and then apprehend them. I get it. It's a PG-13 show and you're not wanting to show a bunch of people getting fucking murdered. Right, so there are things like that at play. I understand that. Ready or not, on the flip side, because you are the SWAT officer, things are different. But where TV shows will more so, especially film TV when it's not rated R, will shy away from killing people because you can't kill that many people and show that much gore for TV PG-13 or PG-13. And that's okay. Or 14, I guess it is for TV. That's okay. You gotta get, you gotta get your viewers, you gotta get your money. I understand. And it's not the point. I mean, the point of SWAT is not to kill people. And it's not to show how people die. That's not the point of SWAT at all. So I get it. It's not the emphasis. It just loses a little bit of the realism and the hardship in decision-making and the pressure. Because when you're taking another life, if you wanted to have an interesting approach to that angle, you highlight the reality of the situation, first and foremost, the fear, the drama, the emotional turmoil that the subject may go through, and then you show it again in full form in the climax, in the third act of the story. Right? It's an interesting way of doing it while still being truthful to the source material and not being overhanded or gory or, or um, you know, extra. But, I digress. Aside from TV and film... Video games have a flip, an inverse problem when it comes to first-person shooters. Quite frankly, it's in the fucking name. First-person shooter. Yeah. What that means from a mechanical standpoint in the video game world is the it's just the camera angle. Film 
there's films have genres. Films are never they never have a genre where it's subjective to the singular camera angle because a film or a TV show never has one camera angle. You ever think about that? Isn't that fascinating? Films can have a hundred different angles and shots and multiple setups and things like that. A video game can, quite frankly, just be locked in to one camera angle the entire game. Especially if the game doesn't have cinematics or other perspectives that you could switch between. It's fixed. Now, it works because it's a game. You're interacting with it differently. The variety, the uh, engagement is played out differently. So it... It works for video games. It wouldn't work for a movie, which is why Hardcore Henry is not as good as it could have been. It, it's, it's a fun movie. I'll give them that. It's a fun movie, and for those who like uber, ultra gory uh, movies and who love first-person shooters, you should just definitely check out Hardcore Henry because it was a technical feat to pull off such a cool, fast-paced action movie in a first-person view. But it's first person almost the entire time. And while that's interesting because of the the gimmick, if you will, but I don't even want to relegate it to that, the, the idea of that and, and how it actually fits within the story of Hardcore Henry and how they present the action is dope. But if every movie was like that, you'd lose your fucking mind. It's not that exciting. It, that movie alone is exciting and well done, and it fits, and it was very meticulously thought of how to keep people engaged while fixed in the first-person angle. But most movie and television cannot pull that off, and they shouldn't. Some of the beauty in the subtlety and the art is the composition of a shot and the sequencing of such. It shouldn't be fixed to one angle the entire time. That would be a detriment to the quality and to the storytelling behind the the piece of film or or the television show so but with the game you have different interactability right so when you're in first person you can walk over here you can pick that up you can do this you know it's not scripted it's not locked in and you are not a viewer and there's nothing wrong with watching something and being a viewer because it's a curated piece of art and it could still it could still allow you to feel and understand and learn things in ways you may never have especially you could be a gamer and love movies and TV shows. I don't like when people say, oh, I don't like movies. I don't watch movies. I'd rather just play video games. Well, I get it. Video games are fun and they're more time consuming. So I understand that's how it's cut. But don't don't say movies aren't good or they don't, they don't have a place. Everything has a place. Books, theater, dance, visual painting. It's all art. Video games. Music, different genres of music, different genres and subgenres of all these things. Television, film, all of it. It's art. Even architecture. Right? So anyway. Um, but with Ready or Not, what most games do is they say, here's a gun. You see everybody? Shoot them in the fucking face. Why don't you? That's how most games work. And for most games, you're supposed to. It fits. It makes sense in the story, the mechanics. Everything that is at play, you got to do that. But in, and that's most first-person shooters, right? That's that fixed angle. It has the verb shooting or shooter in the past tense. So 
you know, it's implied you're going to be shooting a lot. But FPS just means, if you're not saying frames per second, in terms of video game genre, it just means first-person shooter, but it means the POV, the subjective locked-in camera angle, or objective in this case. It means nothing more than that. It doesn't actually mean... You might have a gun. You might not. There are first-person shooters, in air quotes that I'm doing that you can't see, there are first-person shooters that have no gun. Well, what the fuck are you shooting? It may be melee-based. Chivalry 2 is a good example of that. I love Chivalry 2. It's a very fun game. It is a first-person melee camera. Melee camera. Melee, first-person melee game. I call it first-person because it's not a shooter, but a lot of people could still call it FPS. It's an FPS medieval game. You take those two pieces of information, you're kind of like, huh? Other than a bow and arrow, how was it FPS? Wouldn't it be FPM? First-person medieval? Or first-person melee, even. No. First-person shooter. FPS, in terms of a subgenre of video games, is just about the camera angle. doesn't actually have to do with the action. Now, more times than not, you will be shooting. It is fixed from the perspective of a gun or a weapon of some kind. But there are even FPS games that don't even really have combat. Maybe some melee combat. Um, they might be parkour games. Those are very often first-person perspective, but they don't have that much combat, if any. So, it just depends. But my point is that the reason why I say this is because you're if you watch Ready or Not gameplay, you might think you're gonna be shooting a shit ton. And trust me, you will be shooting a lot of rounds. You will not be shooting that many people. The reason why you're going to be shooting off a lot of rounds is because you're going to be scared shitless and overreacting for a good amount of the game. Unless you're Stone Cold Steve Austin. And then in that case, kudos to you. But, um, but no. You have the option and you are actually very encouraged to arrest people. So there's a button prompt on, this is all on PC, the button prompt is F, and it's to interact with everything, the general interact key, right? It's also the detain, the the verbal, you know, shouting, get the fuck on the ground sort of thing, you know? You're under arrest police or LSPD, right? Los Suenos Police Department, which is a fictional city that is, it's, it's LA. It's just LA, <laughs> but it's fictional. Um, so yeah. That is what you do. So when you are entering into a room, when you're breaching or something, you you have to hit that button prompt at least once just to cover your bases. So if you start spraying and praying, it is... Because the game... So it's not just about not dying, obviously, because then you restart the mission. It's also about completing the basic objectives. Secure all suspects. Secure all civilians, right? So either kill or arrest all the suspects zip tie and report and call in all the civilians they zip tie the civilians not because they're threats but because they could be threats so you have to just keep them in place temporarily and then find any of the evidence if needed and that's just going up to the certain area finding the room pressing the interact key and then they call it in oh we have we found the meth lab it's not very difficult the more difficult part is finding everything because it's a fucking maze in most places um, intentionally so. It's supposed to be confusing and disorienting. 
So, yeah. That is um, oftentimes the case. And uh, so that's the basic flow of things. But you do have to initiate a surrender and try to order, even if they are an armed suspect, you have to at least give it a fair shake at trying to arrest them. Because the AI, the enemy AI, I'll talk about the friendly AI in a minute, the enemy AI is quite incredible. Now, it is way overpowered. They are stupidly overpowered, and even in this latest update, they're still stupidly overpowered. It's, um, it's a little less so, so it actually makes it more viable, to be honest with you. I'm not dying as frequently as I did. I'm actually, I was able to clear missions. So they definitely did some rebalancing and tuning. And I've cleared all my mods, so I no longer have mods in the game. And by the way, there are a lot of mods, and they are great. And there's continued mod support and balancing for such. So there are great mods from uh, increasing your loadout uh, size, adding different weapons that may not be in the game. Um, maps, especially. A lot of incredibly... Uh, made maps so if you're into that that's definitely an option as well but the base game now especially with 1.0 is plenty of content for those of you who are interested but yeah the mods are really cool i've played around with a handful of them uh, my favorite one was actually operation neptune spear which is of course the infamous operation to hunt and kill osama bin laden even though it's a swat game it still has very similar cqb tactics so i just played that with my buddy and it looked great, and it played great, and it played just like the fucking scenario. It was pretty damn good, actually. They even had the Black Hawk that was that that crashed. That had the downdraft and, and destroyed it. There's this great book called No Easy Day by, I think, Mark Owen is his name phenomenal book he's the navy seal point man that was that first entered the room and shot and killed osama but well maybe he was second or third but anyway um he was part of that mission and so he gives the first half of the book is just what it's like to be a navy seal what it's like to go through that training what he went through all that it was fascinating and then the second part was the entire mission uh, from his perspective uh of operation neptune spear of killing osama bin laden it's a fascinating book and, of course, Zero Dark Thirty is a great film that takes inspiration from that book, but is actually more um, focused on the uh, the intelligence side, the CIA, the finding of Osama bin Laden. And it isn't until the final third act where you see the raid, but it is probably the most accurately portrayed Navy SEAL raid based on a real event ever done in film. And, of course, it's an award-winning film. And it's a, it's a great film, but it's actually more about the intelligence. So you have two sides of the same operation. And if you watch that movie and or read that book or both, like I have, it's an incredibly fascinating, complex mission that, of course, was involved with one of the largest terrorists in the world and the most uh, targeted public enemy number one in Americans, America's terrorist watch list for forever. So anyway... So you ha <laughs> there's a mod for that mission, ready or not, and it plays very accurately. They did their they did their homework. It's incredible. But since the new version came out, I, I cleared all my mod. First of all, I was taking up a lot of storage, a lot of mods that I didn't really play anymore. And so I figured with the new 1.0, let me just do a full clear, make sure there's nothing, you know, 
that could ruin the experience. Just go in and see what they changed. And then I'll go and, and add the new mods and make sure those mods are updated for this new version, right? Because that's kind of the balancing act. So I'll worry about mods later. But for now, they're there. They're incredible. Um, and they should be able to work with the new version regardless. But um, of the recent update, I haven't touched mods. But I have before. So anyway. Um, where was I? But yeah. So you're often trying to apprehend people. You're trying to get them to surrender. And the AI is pretty incredible. The suspect AI, they will try to flank you. They will try to outmaneuver you. They are fucking quick. They will kill you very quickly if you're not careful. But, you know, you shout, get on the ground. It's random prompts, but you shout that interact key with F. And it's what gets them to put their hands up. It's what gets them to get on the ground. And it's what allows you to go up and, and arrest them and apprehend and report them. But if you don't get to them, they might still pull a gun or a sidearm. Um, or sometimes they won't comply. And it's that balancing act of if I shoot, should I shoot? Because I've said it a couple times and they're not complying. And they're clearly holding a fucking AK-47. So I should probably shoot, you know. Because the thing that this game does, the reason why the AI is so difficult, the reason why you could die so quickly... It's because it wants you to put this, it, it puts you intentionally in these boilerplate scenarios where the pressure is cooking like a motherfucker and you actually have to make a split second decision. Once they do not comply with your first or second shout, what do you do? Do you keep shouting? Because you could. They may not be shooting immediately. They might see you and they might just be hesitant. And once you play the game, you have to understand this. They do surrender sometimes. So even if they're armed and they don't comply on the first or second shout, they might on the third, fourth, fifth, or sixth, they might actually comply. Or if you shoot past them and scare them, or if you throw a flashbang, they might drop their gun and just get down on the ground with their hands up. Once they drop their gun, there is still a brief second of window where if you make an error and you shoot them, it doesn't punish you. But as soon as they drop their gun and they get on their knees... As soon as their knees hit that ground, I think, is where the trigger point happens. If you shoot them, you are no longer... You are breaking the rules of engagement. Okay, so, Sai, why does the rules of engagement matter? I mean, what's, what's the difference? Do I fail the mission? Listen, if you break the rules of engagement, you don't fail the mission. Unless you dome a fucking civilian. Like a clear civilian. Someone who wasn't a suspect. Then, of course, you, you do fail the mission and restart. But other than that, no. You don't fail the mission. You get points deducted. Everything you do has a little ticker of points that is showing. Suspect apprehended, uh, evidence secured, gun secured, whatever. Civilian reported. All these things pop up with little points. And at the end of the mission, once you complete all the main objectives, securing the civilians, securing the suspects, securing the evidence, uh, uh, maybe doing something special or extra or whatever, once you do all those basic ones that you have to do that allow you to finish the mission at all, then you get a report card. Now, sorry, why does this report card matter? Is it just aesthetic? Partially. If you get a passing grade, which is, I believe, anything above a C... C or above, it's letter graded. So it shows all the points, it shows what you did. Eight out of eight evidence secured. Six out of six suspect, suspects 
apprehended. Four out of four civilians saved, right? So it shows you the total amount. So you can see, oh, well, there's more suspects or civilians in the area that I didn't secure for those extra points. Or I forgot that piece of evidence. Because some of it is you have to do to be able to end the mission, and some of it's a little bit of extra that'll get you some bonus points. Um, so yeah. Then there's point deductions. Uh, unauthorized use of uh, lethal force. That, that'll get you some heavy, heavy deduction. This and that, right? Um, uh, there's other ones, but, you know, cop injured or dead cop not reported to HQ. And reporting, once again, is just pressing the interact key and then your guy calls it in on the walkie. But anyway, things like that. So... Um, it's not too harsh. It's not like you didn't breach or clear properly. You didn't sweep your corners well enough. You didn't check your angles. It's not like that. That would be very, very unfun and grueling. That would just be a SWAT uh, uh, training simulator, which is, you can go in the training mode, and I'm pretty sure it actually accounts for those things a little bit, but, but no. No, it's just the, the big general stuff. And of course, those points are a letter grade. And the higher the letter grade, the better. And so you're just racing against best score, best personal time. But if you don't get a high enough passing score, even if you've completed the mission, you still have to do it again. So it does matter to a degree. But once you cross that threshold, it's all up to how you want to. Do you care about that? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you're just looking for the passing grade. But that is what also allows it some replayability because if you want to say, oh, I want to take on this mission again, I want to be a little faster, and I want to get a better report on it, then that's perfectly fine. I don't think there's any uh, extraordinary rewards that are tied to that. There might be now, um, but even if there are, there's not many. So I would like to see some more tied to that in the future. That would be cool. Um, so yeah, there is that. Uh, also, and I just want to say this, when you replay a mission... Um, it changes up the elements. Not a lot. You still have the same objective if you're playing the same type of scenario within the map, right? So you have the map, you have the scenario. And then you have some variables within that that change up a little bit. But for the, So the map is just the location. That's not changing at all. That's fixed. When you select that location, it's that location every time. And the layout is the same exact way. These are handcrafted maps. This is not procedurally generated. They're not switching up on you. This is not like six days in Fallujah. None of that. So you're good on that. The scenario. Right, like I said before, you got raid, you got barricaded suspect, you got all these scenarios. They have different rules of engagement, different amounts of civilians and suspect ratio, different types of things. Maybe there's no evidence needed. I know for a fact that suspect barricaded and raid are the first two ones that you usually will unlock. Suspect barricaded is play a little more safe, tighter rules of engagement, less suspects, but still a plenty, still plenty. And some civilians, you got to be mindful of those, right? With the raid, there's it's a higher ratio of suspects versus civilians. There's still some civilians, but it's way more suspects, like almost double the amount. And they are more hostile. They are less likely to be apprehended. It because right, because it's also contextual. So in the scenario of a suspect barricaded, that is usually because the suspect was doing a crime of some kind, they're armed, but it may not be fully intended for them to be engaged this far, right? They are barricading themselves in out of fear because they realize they done fucked up. 
and they don't have a place to run, or so they decide to lock in place and hold their ground. So there's more sway, right? You you can try to get them to drop their weapon. But when it's a raid, you're raiding a place because there are more suspects that are willfully and intentionally going in to cause harm. Right? There's also, oh, right, there's also the active shooter one. Rules of engagement are very loose, and it's, there's almost no suspects. There's usually no more than three or four. There's a handful of civilians, but it's mostly your only primary goal. There's no evidence. It's not as slow. Those missions, you're moving quickly because you are racing against the clock trying to get to the active shooter and kill them or possibly arrest them. You have the option in any scenario to try to arrest somebody. It's fickle. It may not work. And you risk yourself trying to do it sometimes. So, Sai, what are the rules of engagement? You know, because how do you know? That's the anxiety thing. You don't really fully know if it's going to work all the time. You know how to do it. So you can try, you know, when you say police get down, that's the prompt. You do that a handful of times. That's the only way to get them to slow down, stop, drop their weapon, and surrender to cops. And you can arrest an armed suspect that way. That's also how you get civilians to get down. However, you could do that. It might stall them. They might think about it. It might look like they're about to pull their gun down, and they might just raise it up and shoot you. They may not listen to you all and continue to shoot. The rules of engagement are simple. If the suspect that is armed is trying to kill or do harm with their weapon, that could be a gun. It's most often a gun. It could also be a knife. It could also be their bare hands, though. I don't think that actually allows you to shoot and kill them. I think that allows you to melee them or stun them because there are non-lethal gadgets you can use. Uh, beanbag shotguns, pepper ball, pepper spray, tasers, stun guns, those things. Um, but basically, if they start shooting at you or your squad, if they start shooting at civilians more, or if, obviously if they take a civilian hostage hold them at gunpoint, you have the right to engage with them and it won't be considered breaking the rules of engagement. You won't be deducted points. Um, so as soon as they point their weapon at you, you're clear to engage, especially if they fire at you. If they fire at you, you can engage. However, if you want to play it more on the edge, they could fire at you once as a reactionary shot, especially if you enter the room. But if you throw a flashbang, if you shoot towards them, or if you scream at them enough or close the gap, they may surrender their weapon. They might. They sometimes do. And then, why would I do that? Why not just shoot to kill? It's safer. It is safer. You get more points if you arrest them. You get five points if you kill an armed suspect, and then like 25 points if you bag the evidence. So every time you kill someone who's armed, you have to find their gun on the ground. It's usually not very far from their body, and you have to individually input that and bag it. It just takes a half a second and you just hit the same interact key. This interact key is a godsend. It's just they button map every main thing. Opening doors, um, reporting civilians, reporting dead bodies, reporting suspects, shouting at suspects to try to get them to get them down to arrest them as well as civilians, and uh, reporting evidence and or bagging evidence that are guns or other paraphernalia on the ground. All that button map to one key and it'll pop up the little prompt and I'll tell you 
you you know you can do that so it's not all like oh where is it so you could do that um and that so killing the suspect obviously the reason why you do that i don't think i'm emphasizing this enough because some people might be like well i want to get the higher point i'm going to try to get them to sit down and rest when you're playing this game you will very quickly change your mind depending on you know there's no difficulty setting. The difficulty is fuck you. That's the difficulty. This game will kill you. If you try to apprehend a suspect and they are shooting and you just are like, oh, let me try a few more times. They might just shoot you and kill you immediately. Sometimes you think you have them down. They might be on their knees with their hands up. You might have two of your squad members pointing guns at them. And they might still pull something. A gun, a knife, something. And then the AI will most likely dome them immediately. But if they don't, you might get killed. This game is intense. It fucks with your senses. It raises your heart rate up. And it makes you make decisions really quickly. And it punishes you brutally if you fuck up. Not just on the logic side of figuring something out. How to tactfully do something. It will fuck you if you do not perform it properly. If you miss your shot, you will be punished. Now, usually there's enough of a grace period where there's some firing going back and forth. And if you're smart, and I highly recommend this, since mobility doesn't fucking matter, um, play the fuck up. So in the loadout thing, you can add um, different types of armor to yourself. You can go light, heavy, light, medium, heavy. Well, actually, light and heavy. And then you can have Kevlar, which is super light. Um... Different things call for different scenarios. Of course, you have different guns, sidearm, and a few extra gadgets, throwables, things like that, and different magazines. You can have different types of munitions carried with you. Armor piercings, AP rounds are the most common. You're going to want to have a majority of those. There is light destructibility. It's not like the finals. It's not even like rainbow. There is light penetration. So if you have armor piercing rounds, you shoot through a soft surface wall like some thin sheet metal or plywood that isn't that thick. You can hurt them, you can hit them, you can disorient them. You could kill somebody, especially through doors. Doors are completely destructible unless they're like full-blown metal or whatever, right? But they're logically destructible, meaning if it's a wooden door, you could shoot through that motherfucker. And so if you hear someone on the other side, if you threw a, threw a, a lens cam, a, lens cam a, a mirror cam down there under the door and you see them and you know it's an armed suspect... You could shoot them. You will get unauthorized force. You can't just blind fire through a wall and kill somebody. You do have to give the option to arrest them. You have to say, please get down. And I don't even think you could say it on the other side of the door. You could say that, and maybe you'll get away with that. But I think you have to have them in clear line of sight without any obstruction. Nah, well, not if they, if they run behind a wall, that's one thing. But if they see you at least once, if they see that it's a police trying to arrest them and then you say the prompt and then they still engage, then you're not breaking rules of engagement. But if you post up on the wall, you see them without them seeing you, and even if you shout police and you just shoot them, obviously that would be illegal. A SWAT member couldn't do that. That's not how that works. So the game's trying to stay pretty accurate to that, and I appreciate that. All these mechanics, and the reason why I bring them up they're all laced together so intricately because it's a push-and-pull dynamic. Right? 
it's a difference between completing the mission and upgrading and moving on and whatever. Obviously, you want to do that so you're not stuck replaying the same damn mission because you can't pull it off. But then also, it is a push and pull of you want to get more points and try not to get punished. And, you know, it's risky. It puts you in the hot seat constantly. So, here's the thing about video games, though. Video games can be suspenseful, they can have great mechanics at play, but when it comes down to it, how is the gameplay? How is the shooting? How is the sound design? How is the intensity of everything? Because if it's not grounded in realism, or if it doesn't feel good or look good, then then it doesn't fucking matter with all these cool mechanics of arresting people and reporting suspects and the balancing act of getting a good letter grade and passing and failing the objective, all these things, right? And this is also just as well done as anything else. The shooting is mag-fucking-nificent. So, um, you have an assortment of all kinds of different guns. And it's not like Call of Duty-level guns, but you get, I don't know, you get like 10, 11 assault rifles, 7, 8 machine guns, submachine guns, I mean, a handful of shotguns. And you get a plethora of handguns and such. Get some launchers, you know, some like... Grenade launchers, not lethal grenades, like smoke grenades and concussion grenades, things like that. And a bunch of other gizmos and gadgets at your disposal, right? Mirroring under the door, uh, C2 breach charge on doors, uh, breaching shotgun, which you really, you can't really use on a person. I guess you could, it'd at least knock them down, or fucking blow their brains out if you're too close to them. But it's primarily just meant for blowing open doors and it's a godsend it's so fun and it's so easy to just quickly pop open a door it works on 99 percent of all the doors in the game you also have a lock pick so you can lock pick it or so if you're trying to go a little quieter and you got a handful of attachments a handful of scopes uh you know foregrips barrels muzzles things like that or not barrels muzzles um, and different munition types. It's not a lot. It's enough to make it a little different and to change up your engagement, but they interact so differently, right? If you're going into a raid with heavily armored people, you're going to want AP rounds, right? Or um, or a higher caliber uh, battle rifle instead of a uh, uh, lightweight carbine. You know what I mean? I mean, at the end of the day, guns a gun, it still could work, but, you know, if you're using a submachine gun, you're firing a lot of rounds down range very quickly, and so you have more recoil, so you gotta throw a vertical grip on that motherfucker, or an angled grip if you want, and it does dramatically reduce it, you know, so there are things like that at play, um, what else, the body armor, that makes a surprising difference. The trade-off is amount of slots. You can't have as much ammo or grenades, but it's not by much. It's like two or three slots you lose, which isn't a big deal, so you still get like 11 of the extra stuff. That doesn't include your gun and your gadgets and stuff. Those are locked in. Those You can't lose space to have those on you, but in terms of how many magazines of ammo, how many concussion grenades can you carry... And you can get a mod that, like, increases those to the nth degree, so you don't ever have to worry about that. But to be honest with you guys, I had that mod for a while because it was ridiculously limiting. But I think in this newest update, they kind of bumped it up a little bit. So maybe they didn't, but it feels 
fine. Like, I, there's a reason why they give you as much as they give you. It's not too little. It's not like you're going to be running out of your resources midway through a mission. You would have to be firing a fuck ton to be able to lose all that. Now, I, I guess in the sense of a raid or more enemies, or if you add mods that have bigger maps with way more enemies, I could see why you'd want probably at least an ammo capacity increase just to compensate for the fact that you're going up against more players, more enemies, I mean, from the mods, obviously not balanced the way the devs originally intended, which is fine. But when you're doing the base game, it's kind of kind of balanced, it seems. I mean, you got to just be mindful of your shot placement. Recoil, muzzle flash, sound design, all of that's top tier. This blurry, dizzying effect. It's hard to see if you've made your shots. It's honest to God. There's no hit markers. There's no... It's bloody. The game's bloody. It's not Rainbow Six Siege bloody. You know how, like, Rainbow Six, like... Even though... Well, they have hit markers, too. But in Rainbow Six Siege, if you turn off the point counter and all the HUD info, which is kind of an insanely interesting and fun way to play Rainbow, if you turn all that off, you still know when you get a headshot if you've played the game long enough. Sometimes it's hard to tell. The sound design is very clear, but then also um, the red mist, which I love in Rainbow Six Siege. I love the way they have blood. It's like a Tarantino film. It's perfect. If they ever change that, I'm going to cry. It's so well done, and it's always been consistent and just awesome. And when I was a kid, I was blown away. I'm like, well, you can show this much blood? Like, it's like Django Unchained, the final sequence. Great film, by the way. Ready or not has blood, don't get me wrong. You're shooting people. But um, it's not, like, that noticeable. So when you're shooting people, and especially with the fact that most scopes don't see that far down range, you might not be 100% sure. Because it is a cacophony of gunfire. And when you are being shot at or hit, you are so disoriented. Your character, is, the screen is shaking, you're... you're your field of view is reduced. If you're hit, your screen is covered in a bloody image and your heartbeat is pumping and then you have the cacophony of gunshots going off around you. Whether from the enemy and or from your squad mates, your AI will start going motherfucking ham on people. And this is still true to the version 1.0. They will, as soon as they see a suspect, they follow rules of engagement. They'll never break rules of engagement. And they've massively improved AI. And I'll talk about in the next segment, version 1.0, and how it differs briefly. Because this segment went on way longer than I thought it would. Um, but they, your AI will pop a motherfucker as soon as it clears, deems it necessary. But it'll take a few shots. It will be a firefight. And your AI might get hurt or die. It's actually kind of an equal, fair firefight or trade-off. This game does pacing really well. Large moments of quiet, right? Say, say the, the entire time to do the mission takes 20 minutes. Three to five minutes is like kind of travel time and, and clearing and, and looking at stuff, quiet time. And there are two to four minutes is like prep to breach a room or to check angles of abandoned spots. And then the rest of it is firefights. So it's a healthy mix. I'd say almost 40 to 50% of the time, you're engaged in a firefight. These are not the longest matches ever. These are not hour to 90 minute long missions, unless you really want to play it that way, but uh, there's no reason to. 
These are 30 minutes at max. Uh, they're, they're longer if you get lost or if you're not sure where to find something. And that can happen. Especially if you're new to the game, especially if you don't know the layout. That's the only big downside I have, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But, um... But other than that, like, wow. I mean, you're you're in a lot of firefights. They're, they're not particularly easy. Now, if you're fast to it, and maybe I'm shitty at the game. Yeah. Or it depends on the caliber of your weapon and your reaction time, but... Gunfights start quickly, always. Almost always do they start quickly, right? They're loud, they're aggressive, they're scary as hell, and you will find yourself firing shots off out of pure fear because they got the pacing down perfectly like a good movie. Moments of quiet and suspense and building up. You know that you're about to engage. There's nothing that's like saying, oh, there's nothing going to be, there's going to be nothing that's here. You know it. And the thing is, you don't want to die, obviously. But not because you're actually going to die. It's not fooling you into that. It's because you don't want to start this over. It is tedious to keep starting it over. It's extremely frustrating. But it's that weird balance in between. I've only realized how genius this is. And maybe it's because the full version has tweaked some things a little more. They have. Because the AI before version 1.0, I'll say this much, was way too powerful. You had to get a mod that reduced their ability to, to react. They see you. They have target acquisition way faster. And they don't miss their shots. Ever. Ever. So when you enter a room and you see them, and they're armed, you can't even say, hey, get on the guy. You can't even, you don't even have time to swing and point. It forced the players in early access and the alpha phase that we were going through, well, not alpha, early access, it forced us to just almost immediately shoot on entry, which is obviously not what you're supposed to do. So more times than not, you're getting punished for unauthorized use of force, but you're like, hey, dipshits, if I took a millisecond longer to react appropriately, like I should have, the game would have punished me anyway. It was unbalanced unfairly. It was really bad. It was really, really bad. That was actually the most critical part of the game that, honest to God, you know, some people are like, yeah, it's the challenge of it. It's like, no, no human can spin and target acquire. They're all John Wicks in that game. They were. They were. They're no longer that way. So if you're planning on getting the game now, you're fine. But before that, they were really bad. Like, they were, I'm not kidding. You... They also could see through walls somehow, and this is still a prevalent bug. It's not as bad because their target acquisition time and their accuracy is not as good, and their weapon caliber isn't quite as good either. So they are nerfed a little bit. Not that they won't still fucking kill you. I died so many times playing this game last night, but it was more fair. It was my error. It, every time, I'm like, that's on me. That's on me. There was one occasion where I got shot so quickly in a way where there was no tangible way to know any information walking into the scenario, which I know is the inherent risk when you're a SWAT officer, but that makes it unplayable from a gameplay standpoint. But something I failed to mention earlier that I meant to, the map is fixed. The scenario, depending on the mode, changes things up. Also, even if you're playing the same scenario on the same map and you retry that mission, it will move things around. The objective, the, the evidence and the objective and the rooms are all the same, right? But different amounts of civilians, suspects, different armed suspects, and different locations where they're hiding, they're flipped around more. They're rotated. So it's not the exact same every time you go in, which is important because the game will become very easy, very dull after three playthroughs. So... 
it's always slightly dynamic. So when you kick down that door and you look left and there's nothing there the first time you go through, you still have to be on your toes every time because there might be an enemy there that time. And as opposed to an enemy down the hall that was there the first time is no longer there. Maybe it's a direct trade-off or maybe that enemy is still there. Maybe there's four enemies in the opening room when there wasn't originally any the first time you played through. Right? So, still same objective, still same map, just different places where the enemy may be. And different guns, which also kind of affect it. Not too much. But if they have a full auto gun, they're suppressing fire, they're keeping your ass pinned down. If they have a handgun, they don't have as much success rate with that. Their accuracy and their damage isn't as good. But still, could kill you. Anything could kill you in this game, and you are very, very aware of that throughout. So this game is a very intense tactical shooter. It balances the gameplay elements with some of the realism and the hardships of what it's like to be a SWAT officer, I can only imagine. With some incredible environmental storytelling, which I failed to mention, but you look around, you read some stuff, you see some incredibly disturbing things. This game is eerie in atmosphere. It takes itself seriously, but it also knows how to have a sense of dark humor and brevity to it. It's an incredibly complex, while not intellectually complex, but an incredibly mechanically complex game that balances itself out beautifully. The gameplay loop is very satisfying and very fun. And while it was really good in early access, there are some things that were not quite there for me that now, since this version 1.0 come out, has really, really smoothed things over. So now, I do want to talk about version 1.0, and I also want to couple that with my cons, because... I can't possibly imagine that my cons... I think my cons in my version 1.0 will take as long as this segment did, if not shorter. I apologize for this being so long, but I have a lot of things to say on this game. I've only ever done one episode on this game, and it's like 45 minutes long or something. It wasn't that long. Maybe 90. I don't know. And since then, I've had way more thoughts and feelings towards this. So let's get into version 1.0 and what all has changed, and as well as some of my cons or what I'd like to see in the future. Here we go. Alrighty, folks. Thanks for sticking with me. Ready or not, it's a really fun game. Um, so those were my pros, mostly. I mean, I really love the game. So I talked briefly about the AI and stuff. So early access versus 1.0. What all has changed? I just downloaded and played 1.0 last night for like five hours, uh, four hours, four, four or five hours maybe. Anyway, doesn't mean it. Doesn't matter. Uh, so here's the thing. The this game is so much better now. I paid like $40 for early access, and I loved it then, and I thought it was great, but it felt unfinished. There are literally maps that did not have textures or lighting yet, or a lot of lighting. They let you in on it. The devs were very honest and upfront. They said, hey, this is not a finished game yet. This is early access. You're getting... But I'm like, hey, for early access, this is pretty damn good. Gunplay worked. The AI was janky, but worked. Um, mechanics were there. The realism was there, the firing, the, the I mean, the scenarios were there. I mean, bulk of the game was there. But what, and then there were subsequent updates that changed stuff, added new maps, textures, weapons, balances, bug fixes, all those, of course, throughout the years. And then, recently, version 1.0, the official full release build, came out. They had almost a year of very minimal updates, if any. And it makes sense, because they just fucking launched this game into the stratosphere in terms of quality of life improvement. This is a rare instance of a game where an early access on Steam actually meant early access. They were not fucking around. Right? Sometimes games will say they're early access, they're just lesser quality, they are looking for the funding, maybe they just don't have the means to make the game fully the way they want. I understand that, and then they never do it. 
They just stay in a perpetual state of early access for fucking forever. This game was clearly never trying to do that. Every time you boot up the game, something changes. It's incredible. But, you know, still up in the air. It's like, well, when will 1.0 come out? So, a week ago, during the Game Awards at night, and I mentioned this in my Game Awards episode, they announced, very briefly, just a very brief trailer, it looked like Rainbow Six Vegas, uh, and it wasn't, it was ready or not. I'm like, oh, shit! <laughs> Good for them! And a whole billboard in L.A. It was really cool. I'm like, god damn, they're getting some funding. For a tactical first-person shooter, this game has got over 50,000 concurrent players, which isn't a lot compared to other first-person shooters, but for a tactical first-person shooter, that's a fuck ton. Most of those games don't get past 10,000 concurrent viewers, so or players, I mean. So 50,000 on the version 1.0 day of release, that's pretty damn good. So, um, what did they change? Well, first off, beforehand, in early access mode, there was missions. There were just the maps, you select them, then you select the scenario. And you had to beat them with a certain... You had to beat it, or complete it, or um, get a certain time, or letter grade, to be able to get the next scenario within that same map. Had a handful of customization things, squad AI, all those things. Elements were not fully... Uh, some things were missing, things were janky. And I, I saw the improvement over time. I mean, just from the civilians' facial animation, textures, quality, the lighting, the graphics, the gunplay, the sound design, some of the balancing elements, the flow of the gameplay, it all was gradually improving over the years, right? From kind of janky, like, oh, yeah, this is clearly having access to, like, oh, wow, okay, it's coming together. This singular update, huh. Wow. The amount of things that they have changed and fixed. For the better. There's not a single thing where I'm like, Oh, I wish it went back. First of all, they added way more things to do. Um, they added five new missions, I think. Which is a lot. Because the entire Early Access had like eight. So in one fell swoop to have five new ones. All with the different scenarios and stuff. Five new maps is what I mean by that. Not missions, but maps. That's... Big. I think there are five new ones. I'm not 100% sure. They had a massive graphic overall. The lighting and graphics and texture quality is even better. And it's always been pretty damn good. But the character models, the textures, the, the everything is just better. The lighting visibility is also really, is really good. Obviously, when you're in dark, it's really dark still. Uh, duh. But there is this effect that happened in early access where even if you're in dimly lit areas or even well lit areas, it's still kind of hard to see what the hell is going on sometimes. Unless it's the daytime. The lighting in this, and it's improved over the years, the lighting. And the lighting in this time around is even better. Sound design's cleaner and more accurate and all that. So, there's that. They... This is big for anyone who's played the game. In early access, there was a command station. It was kind of cool. You got to walk around it. You had a briefing room. You had an armory room. You went down. It, it was this weird, like, SWAT office, but it was really weirdly laid out. There was, like, different floors. It was cool. Go to the armory. You can go to the shooting range. You can go through. I mean, it was dope, but it didn't feel like a police station. It felt like a corner office building with a few... Um, like a warehouse, it felt like a warehouse, like a SWAT off-the-grid warehouse. It was cool, it worked, I didn't think they would ever change anything with that. 
Now when you load in, it's an actual police station. It is a full-blown, like, massive police station with two different wings. Um, and it's got all these places, a detective room. I, I, it's incredible. I, I mean, only parts of it are interactive, but, like, who gives a shit? It's wow. That's important. When you open up the game, the feeling of the game to be different as well. And it was. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm in a new plate. Like, whoa, this, oh, this is what a full game is supposed to feel like. like things I didn't even think of. Like, obviously, finished maps, better texture, better lighting, better gameplay, right? Bugs, twi tweaks, and some new stuff, right? But I didn't think in a revamped thing like that. Also, a campaign. Now, campaign, I, I don't even know if it's considered, if they consider it a campaign. They call it commander mode. It seems like it's a campaign. And this commander mode is in fucking credible. Now, you no longer, from my understanding, unless until you complete the commander mode, from what I can tell, you no longer just select any mission willy-nilly. You are going in an order. I like that a lot. Because I often just found myself replaying the same missions. Because for one, there's only three or four missions. And two, I didn't really care to explore them. Because I just looked at them like, I don't know if I want to do that. So it, it picks the mission, and then you select edit and the variable. It doesn't even let you select the variable yet. I, I think I have to beat the entire commander mode at least once to unlock more. So I'm trying to push through that. I think there's like 10 total missions, and uh, that's, a, that's, that's a good amount of playtime. And there's a lot of replayability because some of the dynamics change, and you have different scenarios for each map, like three to four. So, And uh, I'm telling you guys, the scenarios radically change the way you play. Like the map is important, sure, but... If you're playing Barricade Suspect versus Raid versus uh, Active Shooter, it's a whole different ballgame when you go in there. So, there's a lot of replayability, which is good. And then, of course, the fact that there's mods. There's whole new maps and certain modes, so you could always have mods if you don't want to wait for dev updates, which is always cool. Handful of new guns, which is cool to see. Um, all that, you know, uh, the light, like I said, lighting gameplay feels a little tighter. Here's the biggest improvements, by far, beyond actually adding this commander mode and adding new levels and missions, like I said, I think there's three or four, maybe five, which is awesome, fresh new content to be playing, and to be fair, I didn't play all of the missions in the early access, I never got around to every single one, especially as the subsequent updates came out, because I wasn't always playing this game, so there are some ones that are new to me that aren't new, but they're more recent, that I haven't gotten a chance to play until recently. And they're fun. They're really well thought out and well done. Takes you in different places, different scenarios, different things going on. And it's quite relevant to what goes on today. It's, it's fascinating. The amount of detail. The environmental storytelling when you look at something. When you're looking at paper on a wall, it's not just some uh, low texture polygon you can't read. You're reading stuff. And it actually has to do with the environment or with the overarching story. Or connect, it's sometimes connected to other missions you've already done. It creates this entire lore of this world. This world is a living, breathing place, and the more you explore it, and now that it focuses you into these six set missions and allows you to have that time to explore it once you're done with the mission, if you want, it's exciting because you're starting to put the pieces together in your head and paint this grandiose picture of what this city really is and how you play a part in it. It's fascinating, and it seems like Void Interactive really leans into that, and it's it's just 
it's just so goddamn immersive when you look at a bag of chips and you can actually see it's the off brand. Literally, I went, I went to the, um, I did the streamer den uh, mission. Where is that? You uh, Twitch streamer like guy? Hey, go to his TV. He's got all the nerd shit. You know, I'm a nerd too, so I was kind of jealous of all the stuff. He had the anime girls. He had the, the, the sword on the wall. He had the multiple gaming PCs and gaming chairs, all that stuff. And then you go to his monitor screen, and it's not just some blank monitor or something like that. It's got what is actually, it's just YouTube. And not only that, it has thumbnails of a bunch of special op videos, something you would see on YouTube, and it's called BoobTube, of course, which is hilarious. And it, it literally is the same UI, the layout, and you can even see how many likes and dislikes each video that's on his, like, homepage shows. Right. I mean, it's incredible. It shows the runtime in the bottom right corner like it does on YouTube thumbnails. It's incredible detail. It's like GTA 5. You know how when you go to GTA 5 and like when we first played that game? I mean, nowadays, you know, things are lacking. But you go and you, you look at a wall, you look at a car and a decal or whatever, and you're like, oh, damn. It says some stuff. That's cool. It's got a phone number there or whatever. Those small details add up. And posters on the wall of kids' pictures, real pictures of real people are put in this game. I assume consensually. I assume with the proper uh, allowance, and I assume it's the devs' pictures and such. But there's pictures, actual photographs in the game, scaled to what a photograph would be within that first-person view. It's incredible. The amount of detail in the environmental storytelling, sketches, drawings, uh, crazy man scribbles and different things. Uh, instructions for how to make ricin, which I, I, I hope to God is not a real manual cookbook on how to do so. But for one of the places you bust, that's this conspiracy theories. He got all these pictures, pinups, conspiracy theories written down. And it's actually involved with the lore and some other missions you take apart, uh, you, you, you take on later in the game. It's incredibly detailed. So there's a lot of environmental storytelling, but you got to be able to look for it. Some of it's more obvious than others, but sometimes it's not. But it's there, it's sharp enough to read, and it actually says something interesting. And that is invaluable. And also, do you know how much time that takes? How much extra time it takes to do that when it's not actually the primary point of the game? So kudos to the devs for doing that, because that actually expands the dynamicism and enjoyability of this game tenfold. I am loving this game more. And it feels like they brought up all the fidelities, all the quality, all the smoothness of the game tenfold with this latest update, which makes me want to delve into it more. Which is why I'm talking about it on my day off, where I could be playing the damn game. Right? So anyway, with that in mind, and it sucks too, because I'm about to travel more. I'm about to, I'm about to leave my PC for two months. Well, yeah. Eh, month and a half, about 40 days. <laughs> it's only a PC. I only have a few more days of this, which is fine. To be honest, I only play this game for like three to five days at a time. A good amount of days, a good amount of hours in those days. And then I'm like, okay, I've got my fill. I love this game. I'll come back to it uh, in a few months. But now with this 1.0, I'll be honest, folks, this might be a game I'm, I'm more consistently playing. Because while I enjoyed it before, there were some things that were holding me back. So, also, let me get back into it. With the early access stuff, the AI. Let's talk about the AI. Not the doom and gloom AI. Just literally the artificial intelligence of the enemy and of your squad mates. First and foremost, the enemy. As I said before in the earlier segment, 
They were cracked. They were all John Wick. They saw you in an instant. They had perfect target acquisition. They didn't miss a goddamn shot. They could even shoot you through the motherfucking walls. It made it so every time you kicked down a goddamn door and there was someone armed on the other side, very rarely were you ever able to disarm them without putting a bullet in the back of their fucking skull. Or, I guess, through the frontal lobe and then through the back of their skull. Anyway, so, yeah, very difficult. Right? There's that balancing act of difficult, you know? Of the game saying, hey, fucker, watch your step. There might be booby traps. Someone might just shoot you through a window and dome you. There's a difference between that and then saying, ah, this is so unfair that the, the player doesn't have the situational awareness or the information, the contextual information necessary to make the appropriate right step. Right? If you're not giving the player that, you have to be considerate of the fact that if you're not doing that, then you're putting them at an unfair advantage and you're making them rely on their instincts. And while their instincts may be good if you're punishing them for breaking rules of engagement because they're pre-firing through a fucking wall because they know as soon as they step in, they're getting headshot and dying immediately. And here's the thing. You walk in, you die, and you have to start all over. So how do you reconfigure the balancing so it's still difficult. You still have to watch your ass. You're not going to just run in and gun because if you do, you will still fucking die. But it makes it so it's realistically forgiving in the sense where you walk in and you're in direct fire. You might be getting hurt. You might still fucking die. But you're not immediately being beamed from across from a position where you can't even see the person. This is a problem that a lot of tactical multiplayer PvP shooters run into, and that's a harder thing to balance because you're actually balancing players figuring things out. In Rainbow Six Siege, I have killed people in angles in ways where they couldn't even understand where I was because I have more experience in the game. I am played the game for a while, I'm good at it, and when I have my operator and I'm in the groove and I'm locked in, I'm pulling off my shots, really precision shots, from stupid angles. I'm not cheesing stuff intentionally. I'm just holding clean angles so when someone walks in, they're fucking dead. I understand how to break a hole in a wall and stick a gun through it and shoot somebody, right? I'm not doing those really ridiculous cheese angles where you're like, at the very, very inseam of this couch, if you lay down at a 33 degree angle, you're able to shoot with the MP5 ACOG scope of rooks right up through in this very sliver hallway that is uh, 12 meters downrange in between a stairwell. It's not like that. But I am able to hit some angles that new players to Rainbow Six Siege wouldn't be able to comprehend because they don't know it fucking exists. It's unfair to them. But they will learn very soon. And there's no replay cam, which I think is also... Yes, there is. Is there? I forget now. You could watch your play. You could watch your teammates. So if I'm get, I might be getting confused with a spectator cam. I don't think there's a replay cam, like a kill replay cam. No, I think it just kind of it just pans or tilts the camera in the general direction you were shot from. No, there's a no, there's a re. Uh, I think there there might be a replay cam. I fuck. I don't even remember in Rainbow now. How how awful is that? I haven't played long enough. I haven't played in such a long time. I don't remember. Maybe they added one. Maybe they did add one. Maybe I just skip it every time. I don't know. If they do, it, it makes sense. Because it teaches the player how they died. <laughs> 
But then I also understand why they wouldn't have that, because then you just say, oh, they're at the, that position. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. Anyway, my point is, in a PvP scenario, it is harder to balance. You do have to take more things into consideration. But in a PvE scenario, player versus enemy, or environment, is what most people call it. I call it player versus enemy, because you're usually going up against an AI enemy, but it's an enemy. But it's actually considered player versus environment, which I guess is also true. Um... The AI used to be cracked. They just used to be so OP. And now, with this new update, with this version 1.0, they're still overpowered. Don't get me wrong. But they can't just dome you as soon as you walk in. They will try. I have only died from walking forward into a room just even tactfully. I've only died from doing that once or twice. But now, now also, I'm heavily... Armored. I'm wearing full covered heavy armor because I'm I understand I'm not as good at this game, so I need the extra padding. That doesn't actually save me very much, that just keeps me alive a little longer if I get shot in the body two or three times. It allows me to be in a firefight a little longer, and I appreciate that. But um They fire. You'll hear them scream, you'll you'll have more contextual information going in, knowing that you're about to be engaged, essentially. And then, even when you are, first of all, they don't have split-second reaction time. They can't... They Sometimes they will, especially if they're already aiming at your general direction, but they can't just pivot on a dime and from a hallway upstairs shoot you through the floor without you knowing they're there. That's how it was before. It was something like that. I don't know if it was just like that, but it was similar to that feeling like, huh, how, and where. It was unfair, just objectively speaking. But now... It is actually more logical and fair. If they see you, they'll shoot you. <laughs> they might have the drop on you. Because when bullets fly by or they hit you, they do, they do disorient you. It makes it very difficult and hard to take your shot. It's not Call of Duty. It's not as clean. It's not as simple. When you get shot and hit, you are bleeding. But even when you're getting shot at and bullets are whizzing by you, you have debris flying in your face. Your screen's shaking. You have some disorienting effect and also your ai is firing so sound is just gone because all these gunshots are echoing i'll be honest i can only imagine that's what it's like i've played paintball that's the closest being shot at i've ever been and that shit is insanely fun and scary when you first play it the adrenaline when you're getting shot at it's very hard to focus on lining up your shot and pulling it off. Now, I still manage to do that in paintball, and I still manage to do it in ready or not, but regardless, it's not easy. So they make sure of that. They make sure when you're being shot at, your return fire, you might miss. And depending on the caliber, depending on your weapon, depending on the scenario, you might hit a civilian. That bullet might penetrate and unintentionally hit someone you're not intending to because you might be spraying more than you should be, right? So depending on your weapon. I am using a high-caliber, very, very high-penetrative battle rifle. I like my single-fire rifles. I might sometimes spam, but um, I understand the implied risk that I'm using a very high-caliber round that can pierce through multiple people <laughs> or surfaces. So if I spray and pray into a, an apartment complex, I might be hitting a civilian on the other side. Or I might be hitting a suspect that hasn't properly been attempted to be de-escalated because they're in the other room, right? So I might be breaking those rules of engagement by accident. But 
regardless, I, I have a clean, I'm getting conditioned to it enough and I'm doing better. So, yeah, and you have tools at your disposal. Here's the thing. This game will remind you throughout to not do things alone. Even if you're playing solo, like I do most of the time. When you have friends, obviously you can coordinate with them. And however you guys like to play, I can't speak on that as much. I do have a friend I play with, and we, we have a fun time, but, you know, we don't have a full man squad. But when you're playing alone, you get a full squad of AI. This is the biggest deal. So not only did the suspect AIs become a little easier to read, and they miss their shots a little bit, so they'll, they'll spray you, they'll still hit you, and they will still kill you, but they will not immediately dome you from nowhere, from where you don't even have time to respond. They actually make it, so it's a firefight. <clears throat> Excuse me. <sighs> I guess I'm talking too fast. No, but they'll actually make it a firefight. So you you do have time to engage. You can get behind cover. You can peek around the corner. You can try to just land your shot off them if they're firing at you. It's hard. There's debris flying. There's other squad members shooting. The squad members can also kill them, too. Um, very often they do, if you don't do it, so... Or they could kill your squad members, or a civilian, or you, or hurt you. It's very overwhelming and disorienting. It's the calm before the storm. It's quiet, quiet, quiet. Then gunshot erupts, and it's craziness. And sometimes, sometimes when you pull off a perfect breach where, like, you kick open the door, maybe you throw a flashbang, maybe you don't. If you're an insane person like me, you don't always throw a flashbang because you forget you have them. And you just run in. Well, you don't run in, but you kick open the door, you give it a second, then you scream, you know, police, put your hands up. You do that for the rules of engagement's sake. And then, yeah, shoot the motherfucker, but you land your shot as soon as they point their gun at you before they could even get a shot off. It's pretty satisfying. Because <laughs> you know they were going to kill you. There's no question in your mind that you were going, you were going to have to kill them regardless. And you were managing able to be able to squeeze one off before they even got placement on you. That's a good feeling. That is harder than it seems because they have, they have allowed and incentivized, prioritized, if not, this mechanic of trying to disarm them in a non-lethal confrontation, to try to arrest them. You get more points. You're not risking that fine line of breaking the rules of engagement and getting punished. Because if you get punished and you deduct points, remember, you run the risk of, even if you complete the main objectives, you may not have a high enough score to move on. You definitely don't want to do that after you've gone through all the trouble the numerous times to try to clear that level. It's painstaking at that point. So that subconscious idea of, okay, well, let me see if I can calm this motherfucker down, is there. And it is a powerful one. I appreciate that. And I think that's part of the more recent update. So, yeah, the AI there. But now let's talk about the biggest update beyond just the suspect AI and the new maps and the better graphic and the better lighting and the better gameplay balances, tweaks, fixes, new guns, um, uh, you know, new mechanics and things like that. Let's talk about your squad AI. In early access, we had squad AI. It was pretty cool. If you played alone, you weren't fully alone. You had a full squad of AI that were competent. They were able to breach doors for you, throw flashbangs, and they were not stupid. They they might get hurt, they might die, but they didn't die often. They didn't get in your way too often, but they did enough to drive you nuts at times more often 
now that I look in hindsight in comparison to what we have now, they did. But at the time, I would have said, eh, it's, it's annoying, but it's not the end of the world. Um, yeah, they'd breach, they'd shoot, they'd do, they'd do a little bit of everything. They'd cover you, kind of. Um, they were not stupid AI by any means. They were actually pretty pretty uh, solid. A lot of people were like, oh, they're not the quality. I'm like, first of all, dipshits, it's early access. Second of all, it's pretty good considering the amount of tactical requirements this game takes and the fact that you could play it alone and have AI at least kind of compensate for not having real players is impressive, to say the least. Wasn't perfect. They got in your way. They sometimes took too long to breach a door. They sometimes still just shoot through a wall. They still do this to a day. This is, must be a bug or something. They gotta fix this. It's obnoxious and it takes away from the realism. It's one of the... I'll talk about some of my cons because I don't have many. This is one of them. The AI on both sides, enemy and friendly, will at times, very often, just shoot through a wall. Breaking the rules of engagement. They will just shoot through a wall. Well, okay, no, your AI, your squad mate AI, never breaks rules of engagement. I should rephrase that. They don't. Never mind. They don't break the rules of engagement. They only shoot through a wall if they're fired onto. Through a wall. Through the AI. Now, here's the good thing about that that they've changed, clearly. It used to be the suspects would just shoot through the fucking wall and hit you as well. Now it seems they're just targeting your squad mates when they shoot through an AI, if any, or through the wall, if anything. They might hit you, but they're not, you're not going to get beamed through a wall as often. I swear to God, there are so many times in the early access, you walk up to a door, walk up to a window, to a soft wall, and you hear the AI on the other side. You obviously can't pre-fire through the wall. You have to at least make an entrance and say police, and they'll just shoot you through the wall, and they'll hurt you. They won't kill you, but they'll hurt you. And sometimes they might get the drop on you. It was frustrating. That has all but been reduced from my time of playing with the new uh, full, full uh, build, but... They will still do it to your AI. And more importantly, when they do that, your AI returns fire and they don't miss as even, as often. So they will kill the person on the other side of the room. It's kind of amusing. It's also extremely fucking disorienting because, and it might be a bug, it might be something they haven't worked out yet. And I, and I can't help but think, and I truly do believe Void Interactive understands this is an issue and they will update it in the next few months. I really don't see this staying as an issue for as long anymore now that they're in full... 1.0, but right now it is an issue. It's annoying. It doesn't ruin the gameplay experience. I'm Like I said, I've had more fun with Ready or Not since this new version 1.0 than I've ever had before, and I've liked the game before. So this is no like massive quality drop, but it is just a small gripe I have. It's like, come on guys, how are you beaming things through a wall? You need clear line of sight. <laughs> And it goes both ways. I don't want the suspects to be able to do that, and I don't want my teammates, my teammate AI to do that. If an enemy runs behind a wall, like you see them, and then they run behind a wall, or a doorway, or whatever, or a window, that's okay. That makes a little more sense. But if they're on the wall, you've never even a quote, seen them, and the AI just points and shoots, it kind of takes away a little of the immersion. It starts this very chaotic firefight. And the problem is, the biggest problem with this whole thing 
is once that goes off, you have to let the AI kill them because it won't punish you if the AI the AI kills them. If you shoot through the wall and kill them without them actually shooting at you individually and hitting you or coming close to hitting you, which, by the way, you'll know if they come close to hitting you or if they hit you. You'll know for sure. It's no like, oh, they're almost shooting at me. You'll know. You'll know the difference when they're shooting at your enemies versus you. But even then, only then can you return fire and not break rules of engagement. But if they don't shoot at you and they're just shooting at your AI, you can't partake in shooting through the wall either. Not until you've already engaged in a firefight in a more fair manner. Because once you do that, you are breaking the rules of engagement, I think. More times than not. Maybe you'll get away with it. I haven't. I'm very good at shooting things through walls in games since Rainbow Six Siege. And when it allows light penetration through light surfaces, I... (laughs) Can't tell you how many times I've killed an uh, enemy in Ready or Not through a fucking wall or a door. <laughs> and very rarely do I get away with it. Right? It's only when it's return fire. But like I said, now, since this new update has come out, they're mostly targeting the AI, so it's not actually my return fire. However, technically, rules of engagement is if your squad mates are in threat. So, I might play around with it. You can, too, and see what happens. I'm not saying it's a hard rule where if you return fire, even if it's done onto your AI, that you'll get punished. I'm just saying I feel like it's more likely you'll still get punished for it. So I just hold off. I let my AI shoot and kill them because they most likely will very quickly. And I just save myself the ammo and the the risk. So that's a little gripe. It's a very annoying thing because it happens almost every mission. But, hey, oh well. One small problem that is absolutely fixable and is really not reducing your gameplay experience that much so beyond that your ai is super fucking smart now at first they were pretty smart they held their own now holy shit radically changed it's the biggest part of this update they have made it so you can actually play alone and have fun (laughs) you're not it doesn't feel like you're ordering around a bunch of robots it actually feels like characters in a campaign They have completely overhauled the movement, the squad formation, the general contextual environmental awareness of your AI. You know, no no longer clipping through walls, no longer walking into things, no longer getting bunched up. There's a thing called a death funnel. If you go into a doorway and you're all stacked up on each other and you're in the doorway when the door is open and you're not on the sides of the door, you're in a death, death funnel. It is a closed funnel of death that an enemy could just shoot through. And oftentimes your AI would just be standing there like a bunch of doofuses or accidentally trap you in that death funnel because you're all bunched up together. That was during early access. Now AI can maneuver around suspects, objects, things on the ground. They have more realistic formation together. They have way more unique voice lines, character, personality. They know how to... They're faster and more efficient at breaching, at stacking up on doors, at clearing and sweeping rooms, at communicating what they're doing, at target acquisition, at accuracy and firing off their shots and not over-firing. That was another thing I realized. Even though they shoot through walls and there's some firefight that go on, they don't just spray so many bullets that you're so disoriented. They will take... They will... They've dramatically reduced the amount of shots AI will take... And they've kept it way more grounded to what you would be shooting. So they're not just spraying and praying and overreacting every time. 
They've also fine-tuned it now, so AI will very, very rarely, if at ever, break rules of engagement or fire onto something when they shouldn't be, right? Because that's not in your control. So, yeah, there's that now. They've also increased the intelligence of AI to do these small tasks way more efficiently and faster. So now, not only will they get suspects on the ground for you and or civilians, they will also arrest them and report them, and they will bag the evidence on the ground for you. And they, I think they do it most often. Now, they're a little slow to it sometimes, and sometimes it's just faster for you to do it, and there's no problem if you do it. But, so you know, so if you want to just push through with two men on you and leave two behind to uh, zip tie the civilians and secure all the evidence, and they will automatically do that on their own. Also, they've increased the amount of AI basic intelligence where if you don't command them, they're doing the smartest and safest thing possible for themselves and for your entire squad. So they will not be stacking up on the funnel. They will not be obscuring your site. They will move around you. This was the bigger issue in the early access with the AI. They get in your way all the fucking time. It's not as bad as like older AI. It was still pretty advanced and it was still it still worked and you could kind of push them out of the way. But it was very hard. You would often just get stuck on them in a doorway. And you'd be like, how the fuck do I get out? And I don't think I've ever been stuck in a way where I couldn't like move on. But they would stick you in a doorway and sometimes engagement, sometimes there's no engagement. But even if there wasn't, it would take a second for them to file out. You'd have to like command them to all move over there. And I like the commanding feature, but I don't always want to use it. I don't always want to be micromanaging them. And I think Void Interactive understands that as well. So they've compensated for that. So they've allowed the AI to just intelligently and safely execute basic tasks that don't require a lot of command. So it's, they, they, it's kind of on a leash, so it's a little more free-flowing. So once you've engaged in a room and you're in there and you've already engaged, they will shoot the most shoot or arrest they will try to arrest and then they will shoot if they have to the suspects they will zip tie report bag evidence secure a room or sweep a room to find anything else that's incredible they used to never do any of that they used to be able to breach a room and shoot a suspect and it may be like zip tie civilian but not as often not on their own not without direct command or not as easily now they could do almost all of that by default while staying in the safest formation and they've increased, um, they've made it so now they can't just, I mean, you can still kind of get stuck on them, but one, you can kind of push through them a little more. Also, they get the fuck out of your way when you're crossing through a threshold, unless they're in a firefight and they're engaged, but for the most part, they will get out of your way now. They will move around you, so they're no longer in your way. And that isn't just movement, which is great. That's probably the biggest fix they've had in this AI squad AI stuff, but then also... If you're aiming your gun down sights, they won't stand in front of you while you're shooting. Sometimes it might accidentally happen, or you might move into them. They will quickly, very, very, as quickly as realistically possible, move out of the way. Even if they're engaged in a firefight. I experienced it last night. It's incredible. It is incredible how much of an overhaul this AI have had. So not only that, but they also have personality because they have better voice lines, less stiff, less stale, right? More dynamic, more character behind them. They'll tell you when you're in their way. It's awesome. So when we're stacking up on a door, and I'm in front of the the point man or something by accident, because I because you can command your AI with a bunch of uh, very 
you know, the yellow cue, and you can button map everything in the game, right? But the yellow means you're commanding the entire squad. Blue means you're commanding two of the members. Red means you're commanding the other two members. Um, you can have them stack. You can have them just move to a general place. You can have them breach. You can have them breach with flashbangs, with shotgun, with, with all these other things. You can have them secure evidence. You can have them um, zip tie or secure people. You can command them pretty finely to do almost anything that you want. You can have them. You could have them stack up on a door and breach it with you going and zip tying someone else while they go and do that. You can also turn on their cams and watch them. I usually don't, but come to think of it, I probably could when I do stuff like that. You could turn on their their little cams and up in your top right display see what they're doing. While you're doing your thing in your corner. You can split them up in two groups. You can have two and two. You have one go on the second floor and clear that out. You can have the other one go on the other floor. Now, they can get hurt. They can die. So, obviously, you still want to consider them and what they go through. And, obviously, you want to be in on the action. So, you don't want to leave them to just do everything for you. That's not as fun. But they can do quite a bit. They're very, very efficient. They're better at everything now, and they're more automated and smarter about how they go about things. So they're less of a nuisance, and they actually feel like an AI that is assisting you. You actually care about them, because they help you a lot. SWAT is never a thing where you go in alone. It's not a solo thing. And you don't want to be clearing a room alone for the most part. You will die very quickly. I have learned this time and time again. I'll kick down a door. I might throw a flashbang, but I might forget. Uh, and I'm like, I'm, I'm fast enough. I can handle one or two people. I'll shoot one. The other one will kill me. And it's lights out. I have to start the whole thing over. When in reality, I could have had my squad, because I was too lazy and I just left them behind to patrol a room. I could have had them stack up, breach, throw a flashbang. So I'm not using my flashbangs. And they would have cleared the room. No problem. Then again, I want to be in some of the firefight engagements. So, and it's not only that, you can have them, now you can have more formations and more things at your command. You can have them split a stack, you can have them breach in different ways, all of that. And now you can also, intu it intuitively allows you to fit in the stack, in the formation. So if you set them up to breach a wall and you want to be the man on the door or be the one breaching and allow them to come in after you, whether you're breaking the door or the second in line throwing the flashbang in, you could also fulfill that role. And the you just literally walk up to that spot on the door, you get in place, and the AI that was there that was originally going to do it will rotate back and watch your rear. And they will cover your back. They, If someone tries to flank you, they will shoot and kill them, most likely before you can get shot. And you'll notice this, even if you don't directly realize, because, one, they do it, right? But more so, when you're caught in that environment where someone will flank you, the AI will shoot and kill them, and you might get hurt. You might still die, but you have a much less likely chance of dying. But if you were alone in a room and then someone flanked you and you left your AI way behind in the other room and didn't have them stack up on you or follow you, then you're going to get you're gonna get capped from a place you don't even realize. They give you more situational awareness. They're programmed to assist you. They don't break the rules of engagement. They don't get in your way anymore, and they help you greatly. And they are actually fun to play with. They change everything. They make solo play viable, fun, and something you want to achieve and, and pull off. 
and that's just their direct programming. Let's get into some of the other specifics. I really love how they changed in what they've changed in this game. So now, with your AI, you can more fine-tunedly pick your roster. You, you always could pick who you're loading in with, but it didn't really matter. Kind of generally pick who, who you want by their loadout. Now, and this is a new mechanic, and it's a little frustrating, but it's not the end of the world. It actually is cool, and I, hopefully they make it more mechanically important later, or something like that. Or they balance it a little, I don't know. This is another thing that makes you want to perform better. To have less engagement, to capture more people, to reduce the amount of firefights, to not fail as many times, to not die. This is critical, and I forgot to mention this earlier. This is a huge other aspect, other than the points, other than completing the mission. This is a whole new aspect they just added in this new update. With the new AI programming that's way more advanced and way more efficient. The AI's mental health. <laughs> so when you're building a roster, it will show a status of their mental health. And there's like four states. There's content, anxious, uh, stressed, critical, and then like highly stressed or highly critical. And there's a therapist. And so on your roster... Once they start dipping into that orangish-reddish territory, especially then, but if not even sooner, if you want to be proactive, you can... First off, if you want, you just take that one squad member, swap it out with someone else who isn't as bad in a mental status. Status? Status? Why did I say like a British person? I don't know. Who, whoever, whatever. Who isn't as bad mentally. You can swap them out. If you don't send them to therapy, they won't get better, but obviously they don't get worse. They just stay put. And worry about them later. So there's that. But you do have to swap them out with somebody, I think. I don't think you could have no squad members. I mean, maybe you can, but you don't. You don't want to do that, especially after how smart and how much improvements the squad AI is. You don't want to go in this alone without anything. So, um, but if they get too mentally damaged over the course of a few missions, they will leave. And you only have so many in your roster that you can recruit new ones. And the problem later becomes you don't want them to leave because you care about them a little bit, maybe. But more more importantly, they the more that they go on missions with you, the more successful, they get new specialty things. So it makes it easier to maybe apprehend a suspect or maybe they have better accuracy or they're faster at clearing a room or something like that. And it, I've heard it does dramatically make a difference. I haven't firsthand experienced it quite yet, but I do see that as a potential mechanic later that I'm excited to explore. So it's things like that as well. So you have to balance your mental health. You have to check in after every mission. Here's the thing, their mental health status doesn't reset per mission, if that makes sense. It only resets if you send them to a therapist, and the therapy thing takes for fucking ever. It takes like hours. It's ridiculous. That's one thing. First of all, you guys got to put a timer on that. It shows like a little wheel of progress. Put a percentage or put a timer Put an estimated time. There's no harm in telling us how long it'll fucking take because it's ridiculously long. I get it. Therapy takes a while. I'm in therapy too. But my God, I get they're going for realism, but let's make it a little more practical because I suck at the game. 
don't punish me like this. Don't make me lose my squad mates just because I suck dick. Because here's the thing. It carries over. So what I mean by that, it's continuous degradation of their mental health. So every time you fail a mission, even if you restart it, or even if you die, their mental health status stays the same. And de- well, it doesn't stay the same. It declines. It is still affected by a mission regardless of if you fail or succeed in it. So even if you restart that mission, if you die and restart the mission, it does not reset their mental status back to what it was before you started that mission. It is a continuous progressive degradation of their mental health. It's almost just like a timer. <laughs> so now obviously the less lethal contact and the more successful the mission, the less impact they have on their mental health. And when you get a new recruit, it always starts at the highest mental health quality. And to be honest, if you have one or two successful missions, or even two to three unsuccessful missions, that's it's only then when it starts. You can also fire them off your roster and hire new ones. But, and you might be like, well, yeah, just do that as soon as they get mentally unstable. However, they thought of that. If you do that, it could, and it does, damage the mental health of everyone on your roster. And basically, from the one time I tried it, it took everyone's mental health and knocked it down one status symbol. There's only four, and so it took two operators of mine who were at the highest caliber, content to anxious. I'm like, motherfuck. <laughs> it also affects their performance. So if they're highly anxious or highly in that reddish, orangish zone, they are going to be less effective in the field, and it shows. It's incredible. And all this is brought together with a new little tack map screen thing. I love this thing. You press tab, you pop open this little tablet. It's beautiful. It allows you to have the mission brief, the map of the place you're about to uh, infiltrate, and your roster. It shows your roster's mental health. It allows you to manipulate and hire and fire and send to therapy your roster. It allows you to see their their weapons, loadout, all that. Um, The mission briefs are dope. It gives you the whole transcript of the video, the audio message. You can press that and play the audio, the the mission brief of what the guy is telling you. And they're telling you important information you're going to want to know. But you can also read along with it. It shows some pictures maybe. So then you click and it shows like media. And it'll show like manufactured like found footage on a cell phone or CCTV of the crime or a news report. So it's grounded in reality. It's like It's like showing what the SWAT officers know at that time, and then you can go in there and and then it shows you a headshot and descriptions of the suspects, of the known suspects, what they're carrying or what their descriptions are like, and of the civilians. Right now, it's not very important. It's just extra information. It's nice. It's theatrical, but it's not of great gameplay critical use. It is kind of helpful, to be honest, especially for the civilians, trying to find certain civilians, because you see them, you're like, oh, this is that person. But it's not that important. And then you can um, play the the 911 calls from the people who reported the crime. And they might give you some more information. So if you're kind of lost. And then you also have the map of the place and the multiple floors. And you could draw on that map. I haven't figured out how to adequately draw on that map. And I don't really know what it does. But, um, I mean, might help for a tactical approach. It's cool that you can. I just don't see how it would be useful for the way I play. At least not right now. That's all within your tech map thing. The little, this little tablet. You can pull up at any time. And what's great is you can pull it up in the HQ and in the field. And it's all the same information. Your roster. 
And so that way you can always go back and look at the mission brief. You can look at the images. You can look at the map. So if you're confused on where to go. And what's nice about this is it's an in-game realistic way of seeing your objective. Because in the top right, it shows what type it is. Is it a barricade suspect? Is it a raid? And it shows the general mission brief. And then it shows your objectives. Secure the meth lab. Save Secure all civilians, the general check marks, and it'll check them off at the very least as you do them. So you know that's when you're finished with the mission, you can exfil. Simple as that. So it's really cool to have that mechanic. So this update is a massive improvement. It has changed everything. From graphics, lighting, graph, uh, gameplay, uh, fine-tuning, new guns, new missions, new maps, an entirely new single-player called Commander Mode, where you have revamped... Enemy AI, revamped squad AI, way better textures. Um, just everything makes this feel like a full-blown game that I actually want to continuously play more so than just kind of futz around on a few missions, get my fill of SWAT tactical. Because this mission, the single-player mode, is more engaging than I could have imagined it would have been. It's not full-play like cinematic campaign, but it's like it's stringing you along. It really is that police simulator, and the more... You kind of allow yourself to just get into the role-playing of it. The more fun it is, I'll be honest. The more exciting it is, the more engaging. And that's pretty much it. Uh, my cons are... I, I wish there were a few more suspects. Maybe I could just get a mod for that, I guess. And then also, maybe it's just the missions I'm playing. Um, my biggest con is the map. Uh, I understand the maps are confusing. I understand we're supposed to be confused, but... I would like that if we had AI like search and clear that they could clear the whole room or maybe if it's like you're clearly struggling to just find one more civilian because it's often the case like you clear all the suspects and then sometimes if you get lost you're wandering around for a minute and you can't find that last civilian. It's kind of on you. You got to search all the corners and stuff but I don't know. I mean you can always look up a YouTube video or sometimes it'll just give you the information in the brief but um, and you might have skimmed over it. So it's not like it's not there, and I get it's trying to be a little more realistic, but I don't know. If you spend 10, 15 minutes looking for that one person, it's a little frustrating. And it seems to happen consistently, so it's kind of a gameplay flow issue as well. So I hope that Void Interactive could at least address that to keep the pacing a little more consistent. It's a small gripe. It's really not a big deal. They have massively improved it because now you have the tech map. Now you have... More contextual information now the ai is smarter and can sweep things so it's very 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 much so less of a problem so i do appreciate that greatly but it's still an issue a little bit so i would hope we could fix that uh what else what else um um that might be it i wish there was more clarity on uh, certain penetrative surfaces and if they actually hit maybe i just don't get to know that maybe that's not even there but sometimes it still feels that way oh also of course the ai shooting through the walls and just blind firing and locking onto each other wall hacking we gotta get rid of that that's ridiculous um unless it's logical for them when they run behind surface but other than that um more gore is that fucked up to say there's almost no gore. It's very quick. It's very dry. This is a very realistic approach to killing. You know, it's like, it's this loud concophony of violence and scary firefight, and then boom, one shot, and it's all over immediately when you land your shot. 
It's insane. Um, also, some new voice line, or at least more of cycling of the voice lines when it comes to commanding people to get down. I know there's only so many ways you can say that, but at least two or three more lines instead of like one. I think there's only one. So that'd be kind of nice. Um... I also would like a little more fine-tuning on this therapy system. I I actually like it. I think that's a really interesting mechanic to keep in mind because you do actually now care about how you go about things so your AI don't leave you because they're really good and you don't want to lose someone with good special properties. And also in commander mode, if I got to mention, in the which is the single-player campaign mode, the main mode you'll be playing, um, when an AI resigns or if they die... They're permanently gone in that playthrough. You could also play through a campaign version called Iron Man mode, which is where, which is funny because they call that in CrossFit, and that's how SWAT members train in gyms is through CrossFit. But anyway, Iron Man mode, if you die once, you have to start all over. It's roguelike the whole campaign. Uh, don't do that until you've beaten this game's campaign at least once. I would recommend. It's a hard game, and sometimes you're just going to die on some bullshit. So that's stupidly frustrating, but it's kind of more balanced now. If you go, if you don't go slow enough, you will get punished. And I sometimes forget that. I want to get into the action because I love the gunplay. But anyway, that's it. There's only a few cons. Obviously, there's some polishes, fixes. Some better lighting was always better because this game is great and the lighting is great, but as well as some um, more optimization on the graphic processing side. I probably have to update my drivers anyway. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. This game is a phenomenal SWAT tax sim. Uh, if you're interested in it, I think it's like $50 on the Steam store page. It's worth every price, uh, every penny. If you're into those kinds of things, this is a difficult game. Even if you're into SWAT tactical shooters, if you like Rainbow, this is more difficult than Rainbow. This is not an easy game, but they've made it more accessible and fun to get into. And of course, to play with friends is always a dream. So this game is an outstanding one. I highly recommend it. And I would hope that this game continues to get the support it needs uh, financially and just in terms of players. And then uh, I would love to see this come to console. Because honestly, folks, with the next-gen consoles that are out, well, the current now, um, I don't see any reason why this game couldn't do well on console. There are button prompts, there are commands, but, you know, command wheel, things like that. Um, I, I could imagine there's got to be a way where they could figure it out and boil it down to, uh, in, in a way to where it could be feasible on console, even if it is, uh, not as packed full of, uh, abilities or content, even if they cut down the amount of gadgets you can use, or they button map it to quick throwing or something like that, or allow complete button map. Here's the thing. I think you could plug in an Xbox controller on this. It seems like you can, but I'm not sure if you can, I'm going to have to see if you can. I'm curious now. But anyway, I'll talk about this game more as more updates come out. This is the full version 1.0. It is now out of early access, and it is very fun. They've changed a lot. This is truly one of those rare examples of a game that was in early access and that was great and a good start. And it was like, okay, well, we'll see once it hits full state if it truly improves or if it kind of just has some small things. It is a radically different game, all for the better. So I highly recommend it. I've had a blast. Thank you all for listening. I hope you have a lovely day, and I'll talk to you all later on Psychic Thoughts. Peace and love.